Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What do they get right? What do they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah Ifstecker, a medieval historian, and today I'm here with guest Megan Sunday to talk about fairy tale meets historical fiction ever after. Hi, Megan. Hello. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am too. So welcome. <laughs> why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and about why you wanted to talk about this particular movie? Well, I am an archivist and I love historical fiction. And I just, and mostly just want to watch this movie all the time. <laughs> I wanted to choose this movie because this was a staple. I, I think on Twitter, I called it a slumber party staple, which mm-hmm. when it came out, I was a little old for sleepovers, but my roommate and I at the, in college used to just watch this dangerous beauty and yes. just like on a loop. Those were our two, like our comfort movies it was just, Oh, let's watch yeah. ever after. Let's watch dangerous beauty. It's it's so very, it's very 1998. I don't know yeah. if they would make this movie today, honestly. Unfortunately. I think they should, but I think they I should. They would. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a sad thing. And it's yeah. definitely one of those historical movies that you, I would by no means call myself an expert in anything, but I, I do like to read a lot and I do enjoy watching movies like this and Dangerous Beauty uh, <laughs> and going, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Anything with tutors and saying, oh, yeah. I see. Those are choices mm-hmm. that were uh-huh. made. Uh-huh. <laughs> My sister-in-law is an, uh, an art historian, and so she's very excited okay. that I'm talking about this movie. So I'll have to <laughs> make sure. This movie came out when I was 11, which means that it was mm. like just right at that right point for this to be the movie that I watched over and over again through <laughs> all of my like early teens ish I realized watching it today that despite the fact that it's been a few years since I've seen it I am pretty sure that there are lengthy sequences I know by heart mm-hmm. same yes yeah I was 17 when this movie came out and I remember the I remember being in all the magazines it was very like oh Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. is gonna be in this this big the Cinderella fantasy movie yeah. and just being very excited for it. I don't don't know why. I don't know why this of all things. I love Drew Barrymore. So I think I was just, oh, she's she's doing it. Look at her. It's going to be, it's so feminist. (laughs) I don't know why it hit me. I mean, maybe it's because it's like, you know, it actually is, especially for the 90s, a pretty feminist take Mm -hmm. on the Cinderella story. And so I'm sure that was an attraction. Other than that, I, I don't know what it was inherently that grabbed me. I don't dislike Drew Barrymore, but there's nothing else that I... But I don't love Drew Barrymore either, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else that she's in that I've actively seen more than once. Ah, all right. I'm a big fan of the Charlie's Angels franchise for no good reason. Which is fun. And I remember seeing... Yeah, I remember seeing them, but... I think it's also just a sort of... It's a fondness for her in that she's Mm -hmm. always been in things like my whole life. I feel like she was always in the movies I enjoyed, loved E.T. as a kid, so was always Mm -hmm. obsessed. And I just, I still like her now. I just, she's one of those celebrities Mm -hmm. that if she makes a movie, I'm just sort of like, okay, like, go Drew. Even if I don't want to see it, I'm like, (laughs) you go. I will like that post on Instagram and I'll move on. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. I I like her just fine, but I was never like particularly interested. Like I wouldn't like see something just because Drew Barrymore was in Mm -hmm. it. At the time, I didn't necessarily have a particular specific attraction to this period. So I don't know exactly what drew me to it. But I just as I said, like I remember, I think I saw it in theaters and I just Mm -hmm. was absolutely obsessed with it. It's, It's so ridiculous, but it's so good. It's just, I appreciate it because I do think that, well, it's a very, it's a very silly movie. It doesn't Mm -hmm. treat its audience like we're, we're silly. It doesn't say you're silly for enjoying this. It says, no, like, please come into our, it's the real story of Cinderella, Mm -hmm. I'd say in quotes, but without being gritty, which I think is, you know, the new, everyone makes those, those cracks. But I think around this time was when, especially in literature, the, the grim dark fairy tale kind of took over. Yeah. And this was still a holdout of the, oh, it's the true story, but it's really still very, very frothy. And it's very much a romantic comedy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's just a romantic comedy that Cinderella and takes place in the 16th century. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I also appreciate it as historical fiction because it does an interesting balance of saying, see, things were pretty awful if you weren't, you know, in the gentry at the time. Mm-hmm. But still in a very but everyone's very clean it has all their teeth and, yeah you know everyone's still okay you know their how ho- their, yeah. their household is losing all its money but no one's going hungry yeah it's really it's, it keeps things relatively light despite some mm-hmm. bits that could arguably be very dark yes the entire suddenly there's sort of sexual slavery subplot comes yeah. out of nowhere <laughs> that's yeah. a whole Ever since I first, uh, it's, it comes to nothing. It is nothing. Yes. And... and it is able to work in this relatively frothy context, I think, because it comes to nothing and it's all very brief. Like, it's a very short mm-hmm. sequence, right? And so you're able yeah. to move away from it very quickly. And it's presented in a very, I don't want to say unbelievable, but I think that especially in a darker, in a darker telling of this sort of story there wouldn't be the kind of just the gross hair sniffing and that sort of thing yes things would have already happened and in this case it was just a no he's just kind of a mild creep and she has she's good with swords so so it's okay surprise (laughs) i thought it was a surprise woman good with swords then i i i really appreciate the the sequence immediately following that when Everyone comes in on their horses to save the day, and she's just like, "Oh, mm-hmm. hi, hi, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Actually, <laughs> I saved myself. <laughs> uh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm gonna keep walking." Which I was always very fond of, and I also remember always really liking the way that simultaneously the stepmother and stepsisters are great villains, but mm-hmm. they're also one of them isn't actually a villain ultimately, and. Angelica Houston is excellent and just oh plays this role She's... so brilliantly. And where it's just simultaneously you hate her, but she has these moments where she's kind of sympathetic. And I just think it's a fantastic mm. performance. It's amazing. And she gets, she carries off the costuming in a way that I think yes. a lot of the other characters don't. Because, I mean, as with any movie, I think, set in this sort of vague time period of, mm-hmm. it's sort of the Renaissance, so, okay. Right. A lot of the extras are just sort of wearing, like, crushed velvet Joanne mm-hmm. fabric, you know. Right. And then she walks in, all headdress, all <laughs> just the she big jewelry. She has such great headgear. <laughs> and she carries it off beautifully. She does, it's like, 
how 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 could anyone born in this era i think carry that away it's like look at you like if she if you told me she dressed like that at home i would believe it right because she's good at walking in these dresses Mm -hmm. in a way that most of the rest of the cast is not quite there like there's this (laughs) like the bit at the end right before she has her kind of downfall she literally glides in the way she's walking in this dress and it's like i like i could definitely not walk like that in a full-length dress like absolutely never no, and and she really embodies the whole yeah. thing, and even the end sequence when she's looking around at everyone trying to get someone to take her side. It's just such a great kind of yeah. like you. I I recognize you. Oh no, okay, you're not looking at me. As as opposed to unfortunately, poor Melanie Linsky who has to be the fat yeah. one, right? Which is a, such a choice, especially like she's neither fat nor unattractive. Exactly. She just has a rounder face. It's the funniest yeah. part to that for me, I mean, quote unquote funny, is that it's only because she has a rounder face and the actress playing her sister. But mm-hmm. so does Drew Barrymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but at no point does anyone imply that Drew Barrymore is also, you no. know, somehow unattractive or overweight. It's just that, you know, I think that they often do that now in Cinderella retellings uh, with mm-hmm. one of the stepsisters yeah. being more sympathetic. I know that in the the Disney version, in one of the sequels, one of the sisters becomes sympathetic. I don't know which one because I haven't seen it, but I I heard that. Okay. I haven't watched any of the sequels. I've only seen the original. No, I, yeah, we, 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 I watched that recently, the original, and my daughter was not impressed. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, it's Cinderella. It's amazing. And afterwards she was like, where's Elsa? Oh. No one no one used enough magic and mm. the mice are great, but however. Right. I like this version does not have mice, it has Leonardo da Vinci. Yes, I love the idea that Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci is the fairy godfather. I will say also, I think it's really interesting, and this would not happen if this movie was being made today as opposed to nineteen ninety-eight. I have heard of next to none of the cast, with yes. the exception of Drew Barrymore, Angelica Houston, uh, Toby Jones is in it. He's the pa- he's the royal page who's kind of the spy for Mm-hmm. for her stepmother that this was kind of the era of doug ray scott because he was yeah. in mission impossible 2 he was in this he was supposed to be wolverine and x-men but i believe he had to step down from that to make mission impossible 2 and mm-hmm. then he just sort of i don't know where he is now i'm sure yeah. he's done lots of something that i just haven't seen apparently he was in talks to be bond but then but, daniel craig so got is it. everyone right <laughs> comes around <laughs> all the time he would have, no, that would have been good. Yeah. yeah, and Melanie Linsky, unfortunately, had this sort of phase that sadly continues to this day where she sort of became the also ran best friend sister mm-hmm. after being in Heavenly One Creatures, which is astonishing, and that she's so excellent in, and but being a round face brunette just sort of got mm-hmm. the, like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The actor who plays Da Vinci and the actress who play the king and queen, like they're really, I think, like British character actors mm-hmm. from what I could tell. So and not people I'm familiar with. The actor who plays the servant that she has to rescue, whose name I cannot think of now, is apparently had not aged since playing pretty much the exact same character in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> oh my god he did i literally just watched that and i did not pick that up 
Like I literally I've watched seen that movie both like a of week these ago. Too many times. I don't know what it was. <laughs> there was it was the same thing with the sort of that time frame. Yeah, Robin, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was a very specific. I was thirteen, and there were a lot of mm-hmm. handsome guys in it. Like Christian Slater was in a movie. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> and I think it being a kind of you know it's historical fiction. My parents kind of let a lot of it slide. Right. I suppose, you know, I think I wouldn't have been allowed to watch, like, Pretty Woman, but Robin Hood, Prince mm-hmm. of Thieves, it's historical. Right. It's a drama. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaking around that kind mm-hmm. of structure. But yeah, he right. is the exact same age, and it was a little unsettling. <laughs> and yeah, that's seven years earlier. And yeah, he, he actually, I think, looks younger in this. Yes. I think he does. It was a little, it's a little unbelievable to me that apparently this manor house only ever had three servants. Right. Yeah. Which is also clearly like a plot device, right? Is that they don't want to have, is that they want to make a point that she's friends with the servants, but they don't want to have more than like three actors playing the servants and certainly yeah. not more than three characters that they want her to actually have a relationship with. It's like, do you, there would have been, let's just say a couple more, a couple more than yeah. that. I mean, and I get, yeah, and you're right in that you want to focus on a specific subset, but I think that you mm-hmm. can manage that. I think something like Downton Abbey, which had characters yeah. you focused on, but there were always other people in the background. Right. And I <laughs> it think was, they actually did have other people in the background. In the beginning. Maybe, yeah, yeah, the beginning. you're right. Yeah. Before the father so maybe, died. Yeah. So maybe it's that she just fired most of the servants? Probably. Sold them. <laughs> I, one thing that I never understood from this, uh, watching this movie frequently was I never entirely understood why the Baroness married her father. My theory about it is, uh, and this is a theory that is not actually coming from anything I think that is said in the movie. This is a theory that is coming from social dynamics in Mm -hmm. the 16th century. This kind of slight downward mobility for women is not entirely uncommon. So if you're from a noble family, but you don't have a ton of money, maybe especially if you're somebody like her who's in this position where you're a widow with two daughters, that you Mm -hmm. then end up marrying somebody who basically he's rich and he wants the prestige that comes with your title Mm-hmm. But he's the one who actually has any money. That, okay, that makes sense. And yeah. her father, I'm kind of guessing, is this like wealthy merchant from how he's mm-hmm. portrayed in the in what we see. Of yeah, him. yeah. And I, I think it's because they never quite. It's it's always made very clear that her mother was just you know a regular person, but yeah, it's. They're pretty fast and loose with uh, titles. Yeah. So my (laughs) guess is that her father and probably also her mother belong to this uh, class of people that you would probably still consider elites just by virtue of the fact that they are well off, but who are not Mm -hmm. titled and who are not formally part of the nobility. Mm -hmm. And often in practice, I mean, so one of the things that you see as you're getting into revolutionary France, and this is, I'm already, I feel like getting slightly (laughs) beyond the area where I actually really know what I'm talking about. But my sense is that, so you have, so you have the kind of the three estates, right? And so it's the nobility and the church and the third estate, which is like the ordinary people. Mm -hmm. But the ordinary people who are actually represented in government aren't like actual ordinary people it's that it would be like basically the 16th century equivalent of like jeff bezos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so somebody who's like not titled he's like not like the like the gentry but he's like he probably like owns a ton of land and is extremely rich 
I guess I just hadn't realized that that was already becoming a thing, considering how how much that that is all is sort of still a new concept in even like the Regency in England and whatnot, this idea that you can just sort of make money. It was always a little bit like, how odd that he just found, I but I don't know much of anything about France, so. Yeah, it's very regional as my sense. And so England is actually not my area and France isn't exactly mm-hmm. either, but this is something that that completely makes sense to me in the area I do study, which is uh, Catalonia in northeastern Spain, is that it's very much like you have the urban elite who are mm-hmm. basically like merchants and then they like buy up a bunch of property both in the city, but they also have estates out in the country and uh, they're essentially this kind of wealthy mercantile elite and that's fairly common in the Iberian Peninsula and in the Italian Peninsula already in the kind of late Middle Ages and I think in some parts of France as well that is mm-hmm. the case. Well this is clearly English English France. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because everyone right. it's the old French everyone has an English accent but mm-hmm. we say French words occasionally. Occasionally, we say Monsieur, we say Frank, even though they didn't have Franks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The only thing that's ever truly bothered me about this movie, and it's the silliest of all of the possible issues of this movie, is that that's not how the Mona Lisa works. (laughs) It's not like right that it's in this like poster tube. (laughs) (laughs) That it's a print that he bought at the store. It's a poster sale on campus, and Da Vinci was like awesome. Yeah. Also, the whole calling him Da Vinci thing. Right. That they're like, ah, Da Vinci, Mr. Da Vinci, how are yeah. you? <laughs> I had a, uh, a, an English professor in undergrad who, if you said that, would be like, nope, again. Hmm. Like, right. <laughs> she was one of those, you know. Yeah. We'd read his writings and a biography of him and whatnot. And if you were speaking in class and called him Da Vinci, she'd be like, mm mm. <laughs> So we begin also with this frame story, which is this uh, elderly noblewoman who is Jean Moreau, and mm-hmm. she's inviting the brothers Grimm over, and it's like <laughs> it's great because I love that she's like, I was a little taken aback by your version of Cinderella, and it's like yeah, fair because that's the one where they where it's like the stepsisters cutting their feet off. Yeah, yeah, theirs is a little rough. <laughs> yep, she doesn't bring that one up. I appreciate because I don't know who these actors are, and I can't tell if their accents are just very German or just very fake. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, I don't know what I, to look it up. I didn't look it up either because I was like, they're, they're really nothing. I cannot look this up. They're nothing characters, but they are being yeah. so German that I can't yeah. tell if it's true. <laughs> right. I find it very interesting that she's just like, well, everyone sit back, <laughs> get ready, because here I come. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate how many people were in her, her chateau. Yeah, she's got, like, a real population of servants. They, I feel like when they have court scenes, it's like somebody realized that, yeah, they would have just had a lot of people around. Like, when Danielle yeah. goes to get her servant free, it's literally just lousy with people milling around. Because, right. yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> yeah, so that actually, yeah, that makes me think that the reason, that the implication is that, like, the manor has, like, fight that, like, that, like, she's let go almost all yeah, of Yeah, she staff. must have. Yeah, because there are a few other people, at least. Like, there's maybe, like, 10, 15 people, I think, in the scene uh, toward the beginning when you have uh, them first meeting Radmilla uh, and her daughters, and then also when you have Auguste leaving again. Ugh. Oh, Auguste. It's this, like, 
it's such a trope in movies set in the pre-modern era that you have that if you have a good nice parent they will die so fast which oh, is yes. also a fairy tale thing of course and mm-hmm. so obviously you have to kill off the dad but yeah it is very like oh yeah she's got a really nice relationship with her dad he's really loving he like brings her books and it's also like this is a like utopias in latin so like yeah. he like taught her Latin, which is, like, awesome. Like, it's not totally unheard of for Mm -hmm. a woman just about this class, but it's, you know, not common. So, like, he's great. And then, of course, he, like, has a heart attack and dies right after marrying this woman who is not totally here for this situation. No. Which is one of those, just things that happen in movies, especially where somebody laments a living situation that is amazing. (laughs) Right. It's I like understand that she awesome wants to be in court. In you know, but they're clearly near enough to a court at the very least. Yeah. Because Marguerite yeah. mentions just going. So they're clearly close enough. And just, yeah, this idea that she's lamenting being left in this beautiful mm. <laughs> manor house in the forest. It's much, it reminds me of uh, Sense and Sensibility when they're like, I guess we'll live in this five bedroom right. cottage. <laughs> The economic situation, I think, is interesting, right? Because the implication is basically that, like, her issue is that she is neglecting the manor. She's not, so, like, Mm -hmm. she doesn't know how to run a manor in a profitable way. And she also is presumably not doing the kind of uh, trading that I am assuming that that's what Auguste was doing and a lot of his money was actually coming from. But she's still trying to live basically, like, the way she lived when she was, you know, as a baroness. Exactly, yeah. And it's like, how uh, long did you think you were going to keep this up? Yeah, and it's sort of astonishing to me that, and again, I don't necessarily know if this is true or if this is just sort of a modern assumption of the time frame, but I would have assumed that there would have, at some point, a man would have shown up and been like, I run, you know, I'm his manager, or I, you know, mis- do this. And maybe that happened and she just got rid of them, but... Right. Just, it seems astonishing to me that at any point anyone would have just been like, well, okay, ladies, have fun. Especially because he seems like he goes on semi-regular business trips. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. like there must have been somebody that he had on staff who's involved in some of that kind of local managerial work. Especially yeah. because that's the kind of thing that in some cases actually would probably in this period fall to a wife that he's gone a decade without being... or eight years, I guess, something like that. I don't know exactly. I don't know. However long, I don't know exactly when she died, but like young enough that Danielle does not remember her mother. So it's been at least like, I don't know, five, six years or something that he has not had a wife. And so, yeah, he really has to have somebody who's taking on that managerial role. And the fact that he's, I know it's meant to, you know, underscore that he's a good father, but the fact that he can cut down his business trip from three weeks to one week, it's like, how right. long is it going to take you to get there? <laughs> right? Yeah. That what was are we like, factoring I, in? Right? Where are you and where is Avignon from where you are? Like, yikes. I mean, I don't know exactly where they are is the thing. So that makes yeah. it hard to say how far Avignon is. It's like, sorry, like, it's going to take me four days to get there. So I'm staying three weeks when I yeah. arrive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I always feel that way in any historical context. Whenever anyone's right. like, oh, I was going to go here, but I just changed my mind. It's like, no, you didn't. You're stuck. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're it's like now. a week he's going to basically like get there and then have to turn right around. Oh, <laughs> on a horse. He's like, no right. thanks. She's kind of a tomboy. 
which of course, of course she is. And we get the big contrast, right, with her and the stepsisters because they're very much like miniature adults, ladies, mm-hmm. and she's very much like a tomboy, but also like a normal kid. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. And and I appreciate that that is a thing that comes up so frequently in these sorts of stories, though, the idea that at no point would he have, I don't know, like gotten her any kind of nanny. That right. he was just sort of like, all right, one wild kid that, you know, it's like. And I they think. have the servants who are like kind of taking care of her. Like that's who's like getting her dressed and stuff like that in the beginning, Paulette and Louise. So mm-hmm. they kind of have that role, but they also have other things that they're doing. Exactly. And like, that's just, yeah, he would have, there would have been somebody whose full job yeah. would have been like wrangle Danielle because that's just yeah. how it goes. Someone's teaching her Latin. I mean, right? Like, he's yeah, because like her her education is impressive, but it like feels like it must have been sort of haphazard. It like it because it's kind of presented as just like her father like shows up and like reads to her in Latin a bunch. Yeah, shows her how to sword <laughs> um, fight, and yeah. then is like, "Well, gotta go." Yeah, I do appreciate greatly that Gustav is not a love interest. I do too. I really like that that she they just don't has this grow very up. consistent platonic friendship with a guy. He doesn't have a crush on her. He doesn't, mm. you know, there's no drama with, with Henry later because like, oh, well, you know, I always loved you. It's just, no, he's there. He's her buddy. Yeah. And, and that's he just never, how it they is. They never think of like, each other that way. And it's like, oh, that's, that's nice. I like that. I also like that they don't go the route of he has some, it's again, like someone, someone who wrote this movie had read <laughs> some history books because, you know, he's not just like, yes. oh, and I, I run a small business. He's like, I'm an apprentice and I have to do what my master tells me. And it's like, right, yep, yeah, yep, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gustav, yeah. good, good job. But of course, the thing that is like the core problem of this movie, and this happens a lot in movies set in the pre-modern period, is that it's all of these people who are just shocked, shocked at the concept of having to make an arranged marriage. Yes. <laughs> Especially people How dare like you? royalty. Yes. The, the, and the idea, I'm sorry, Henry, but the idea that you're howled and they haven't arranged anything for you yet. I mean, maybe there were right. other ones that fell through. I mean, look at how, you know, that happened pretty frequently. But the fact that it's just now occurring to them that they should marry off their son, the heir to mm-hmm. the throne of France. Uh-huh. Yes. And I mean, we'll get to this later, but the real Prince Henri married when he was 14 years old. Yeah. So. And I was I was discussing this earlier, actually, because I was talking about how I was going to be talking about this movie. And it's it's an issue because I think that there is this perception, and I'm sure like I've I'm sure you've talked about it and I've just missed that one, but like there are people who will tell you completely seriously that like, you know, oh, well, 300 years ago, everyone was married when they were 12. And it's like, well, no. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> My ancestors were not getting married when they were 12. Right. No one cared. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the farm next door would have said, maybe someday we'll get our mm-hmm. kids married and then we'll have a very big farm. It's like the royalty and nobility who are yeah. getting And married, even that was more... Young arrangements but not necessarily the actual marriage to the point where if mm-hmm. you read you know contemporary reactions to you know like margaret beaumont having henry the seventh when she was 12 people are mm-hmm. like oh right because even when they actually went through with the marriage there seems to have been something of an exception like well we're gonna marry them just so we can kind of make sure this is all settled but we don't really think they're gonna like have sex yeah, exactly. To where, you know, she, her husband, I think, was, you know, like 25 or something. And people at the time even were like, oh, that's unfortunate. That, yeah. You know, 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think they were trying to find this balance where, oh, well, we're going to have everyone just thinking about getting married at what seems like a normal time for us. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't need to see Henry, you know, getting married when he's 14, but also what? Yeah. Right. (laughs) No one brought this up to you before? You're 25. (laughs) Yes. And you also just get to like wander around and have a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No one is ever watching you. No one is ever with you. Occasionally somebody is, and then he's like, I send you away. And then Danielle's like, says basically that she does the same thing at some point. She's like, oh, I like gave my servants the day off. And he's like, <gasps> and it's like, when have you had servants with you? You don't have servants with you right now. You have Leonardo he's da Vinci. He's a, a man. Oh. Well, and then just the part later when they're like, oh, well, we're just going to go on our own. And I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. Danielle? That's like not Are you just walking idea. into the woods with this guy? <laughs> like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Better hope he marries yeah. you this time. Right? Although I guess, like, based on her actual status as opposed to her invented status, probably doesn't really matter that much. Granted, but he still thinks that it's her imaginary status. Yes. So I'm like, Henry, sir, yeah. to the best of your knowledge, this is a contest. Like, I mean, Henry yikes. is, in my opinion, extremely gullible, because I think that yes. there are a lot of very obvious red flags Yes. Throughout in terms of how she presents himself. In addition, of course, to the fact that he met her when mm-hmm. she was dressed in her normal way and she like throws apples at him because she thinks he's a thief because she sees him see, uh, taking her father's horse. The fact that she then puts on a dress and does her hair differently means he absolutely has no <laughs> idea who she is and does not recognize her. If you put your hair in a hairnet, men cannot tell you apart from anyone else. It's and just... it's a 16th century version of like taking your glasses on and off. I mean, I appreciate that they were very, I think that the idea of being able to just dress up a certain way and fool people is mm-hmm. kind of a forgotten thing. Because nowadays, even if you have like a heist movie where someone does that, it's very easy to get your hands on a designer dress. Right. You know, you can do that. You can, you know, sneak it or get a credit card or borrow it or something. And yeah, that was a time period where... I mean, people, I mean, Gustav is full on, like, if anyone finds out you're wearing this dress, you are going to get in trouble because that's right, not allowed. Right, there are real sumptuary law issues. And that actually is another logistical question. So that every time that she meets up with Henry, with Henri, she Henri. has a completely <laughs> different dress. <laughs> Where are they all coming from? Like, is she stealing them from Marguerite? Like, Yeah, the blue I one guess... that she is wearing that she ends up giving to the Romani. Well, one, okay, so the guy takes her dress, but then mm-hmm. she clearly proves herself to them and they all have a great time and get drunk. And yet she still comes home in her, like, undergarments. It's like, yes. Danielle. <laughs> right, but that like, one was Marguerite's. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where the other ones. The first one is something that Gustav just has, because I guess it was, like, in their studio for... I guess it's... And maybe the, it was, like, something that, like, a model was wearing or something. Yeah, I think that's what it was, because that's why she says, like, the shoes don't fit. Yeah. Which is the other big thing, because then Da Vinci is, like, the other one uh, look at those. Yeah. So her first excursion in her fancy clothing is because for her silence, uh, the prince gives her a bag of coins... And she's going to use this to buy back Maurice, who got basically, like, sold into slavery to pay Redmilla's debts. Which I'll talk about He more gives later. her so much money. Yeah. He gives her a lot of money. He gives her the money for, like, a whole person. Um, yeah. Like, Henry, wow, okay. 
Yeah, it's just like a very like casual like this is like literally pocket change for me. Yeah. I'm that rich. I just hurling gold coins at you. We also right before she goes though, I do want to mention the breakfast scene because the breakfast oh. scene I feel is the perfect encapsulation of the personalities of all of her, all of her step family. Mhm. We have Marguerite, who is just, like, terrible. Like, she has... She's the one who I think really has no redeeming qualities. No, not at all. She's terrible. (laughs) She starts shrieking about her eggs into the bread, at which point her mother is basically like, stop yelling. And, like, and she's like, I was not shrill, I was resonant. Akatia knows the difference. And it's like, are you a Cardio now? (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know if you know... (laughs) Also, when she sends back the eggs, it's like, I think that's all your eggs. Right? You can't send back the eggs in, like, a manner in the 16th century. You're not in a <laughs> diner. Like, that's all the eggs you've got, unfortunately. Right. So no eggs for you like, they today. they came from the chickens that day. <laughs> also, the idea that the bread would have just been coming out of the oven that right. as they were eating breakfast. I'm like, no, some poor girl, some 10-year-old was up at... Yeah. 4 a.m. baking that bread. Making bread. It was Danielle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle's like sleeping in front of the fireplace. Oh, I also wanted to note the line of Rodmilla who says like who says, nothing is final until you're dead, and even then I'm sure God negotiates. <laughs> She's so good. It's she so has good. so many of the best lines. And yeah. I appreciate that they because of, of being a movie set, you know, made in 1998, that even in the, the flashback, the opening sequence, it's just, they just sort of, like, this is who this character is. They don't try yeah. to make her look super younger or anything. I feel like now it would be that CG smoothing, just because right. they'd say, oh, it was, it's a 10-year age gap. We have to make her look super young. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's okay. Like, yeah. remember when we just, like, made movies and everyone didn't right. have to be smoothed? Yeah. She's really, like, very excellent. She's very uh, confident in herself. I mean, you know, she is somebody who we don't know that much detail about her life prior to this marriage, but she's somebody Mm. who, my sense is that the title might, is that, like, I think she is, like, of noble background, but maybe, like, the title Baroness, which I think is a slightly, is a somewhat higher title, but that might actually come from the husband. I'm not sure, because then it doesn't appear that Marguerite and Jacqueline have titles. And I feel like if their father right. was a baron, they would have. I think, sh- I feel like maybe Redmilla is the daughter of, no, then she wouldn't be a baroness. If she was the daughter of a baron, yes. she'd be something else. Right. And so that's, I mean, so in general, there's some things that I like that don't quite add up about exactly what titles Marguerite mm-hmm. and Jacqueline are supposed to have, because it doesn't make sense they wouldn't have any sort of title, but they seem mm-hmm. not to. But that seems odd to me. It also, there, like, I, it makes me wonder, like, what is the family situation? Like, is there, like, a brother or something from a previous mm-hmm. marriage who basically, like, told them to get the fuck out? Because I believe, like, they, like, his, like, because also, like, you would think they'd be entitled to something or that, like, he would have made some kind of provision for them in his will. Like, it doesn't seem like he has, like, doubt, like, there are, like, dowries set up for them. Yeah, whereas Danielle has one, mm-hmm. and I appreciate, or, yeah. I appreciate that her dowry is her mother's dress and the shoes yes. because that's so. I mean, I again, I act like I'm an expert, but that just seems so much more realistic to me than I think a lot of things would have had to be like, oh, it's all this gold or something. It's like no, it's probably the most expensive thing her mother owned. 
And now it's for it's the old Shakespeare, you know, the second best bed. Like that was actually mm-hmm. a big deal. <laughs> yeah, because of course there are cash dowries, but she's probably somebody who, especially given the circumstances surrounding her father's death, that, that there wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily funds put aside specifically for that. Certainly, and especially given that like the funds just like aren't there anymore, right? Like uh, that's also the weird thing is like nobody's administering the estate. Did he make a will? If so, what were the provisions yeah. of his will? Because you actually would potentially see. And again, this isn't exactly my period, but in the period I look at in uh, the kind of like kind of the 13th and 14th century in the Iberian Peninsula, you see in wills that fathers are basically like saying. I'm leaving aside 500 sous for my daughter's dowry. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like a system set up where there would be like an executor who's responsible for making sure that there's actually like that the amount of money he says he has is actually the amount of money that he has and then figuring out what happens with those legacies and then who actually has guardianship. As I said, I don't know exactly if this works precisely the same here as in the area that I'm looking that I'm looking at, but like a child who is eight years old would have a legal guardian who would be somebody who's responsible for her her financial affairs as well mm-hmm. as her like well being. She seems like somebody who should have like it seems like they should have had that kind of provision for her, given that her father is a wealthy man. Yeah, but there clearly isn't. No. <laughs> And just the fact that apparently at no point has anyone checked in on her. No. Because it's not as if they're pretending that she's part of the family and then once, you know, someone leaves, it's no, she's just the servant. Yeah. But I think that's that's just the Cinderella element because that's what always happens to Cinderella. Is right. The moment the dad is dead, their stepmother just takes over everything right. and makes all the calls. But that this is something that there are social safeguards to try and keep mm-hmm. this sort of thing from happening. <laughs> and, like, not that they're perfect, but that, like, it's slightly odd that it would, there there would be this much I, of a change. I think it's just this other, it's still this kind of idea that I think people tend to set anything that takes place before, like, 1913. Everyone's like, it was yeah. the Wild West, and just, you could do whatever you wanted, and... Right. There were no laws or <laughs> right. no, no I, one was in charge yeah. of laws or anything. It was all nuts. And it was like, I don't, that's not accurate. <laughs> yeah. And I find it very frustrating because like, I literally like, I spend so much time looking at contracts. Like that's 90% of what I do is like, I literally like read legal contracts. Mm-hmm. So I know that they existed. And as I said, that like specifically when you're talking about like family and about like what happens when a man dies and leaves minor children, like this is something that they are like very thoughtful and concerned about. Yeah. And I can't imagine that he would leave his estate and the care of this child in the exclusive hands of a person that he married five minutes ago. Yeah. (laughs) literally that we're not even I mean I'm gonna be honest I'm not even entirely sure it was consummated because Ramilla just seems kind of right I don't know uptight and because she cute he kind of seems like I mean the first night at least that they're at uh, that they're at their house it seems like he's spending like half of it like reading to Danielle so like Danielle has to be like yeah you're married now shoo shoo like he's like I guess (laughs) like I really care more about being a dad but like yeah I guess I'm married (laughs) whatever like okay sir that's actually pretty important. Yeah. For me, the most amazing thing of this movie has always been the incredibly fast turnaround on this international marriage. 
Yes, yes. (laughs) So that Francis makes this compromise, right? That he gets to pick a bride as long as he does it within like a week or whatever the turnaround is supposed to be. I can't remember when this masked ball is scheduled for. Like, but not not very long, right? No, they're supposed to. So the big Henry's big drama Mm -hmm. in his gilded cage, which is his big life, is so hard. Is that he's supposed to marry this princess from Spain, and Gabriella. he does he does not want to do that, even though it sounds like it's a done deal. Yeah, his father says, "Look, you can have a chance to pick before we have this ball, but if not, then you're going to marry this princess." Right. And after there's, you know, of course, the miscommunication between him and Danielle at the ball, he pretty much immediately is like, "Well, all right, here comes the entire retinue from Spain." Mm-hmm. Like, the king and queen are there. They didn't just send their daughter right. with, you know, representatives. They are there. Yeah. It all happened, like, very quickly. That, like, he's, like, one week he's, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know about this whole marriage thing. And then he's, like, nope, get here. Get here right now. Just ship her over. I mean, and I guess, you know, they are trying to marry her off so she doesn't marry that, like, nice, like, middle management <laughs> guy. <Yeah. laughs> right. That she's in love with. But just that whole sequence, and I get that it's supposed to be funny, but just this idea that she would have been that vocally, like, just crying mm-hmm. and everything. It's like, oh, yeah, that's oh. awkward. I don't... It's, so, it's like, funny, Gabriella. weirdly, but it is. Yeah. Like, the way she sobs is funny. I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know, like, what their her parents were saying, but I'm sure it was pretty... Like, they're basically blaming each other, was what I caught. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do like that they, they, again, as with all media of all time, it's like, if you're from Spain, you are a very, like, dark brunette person. Yes. Like... It's like why? First of and all, why would her? You're very passionate. Why would your mom? Why would her mother probably also be Spanish? <laughs> they always do that in these movies. It's always like these are my very English noble parents. And it's like I don't really know that they would both be English, but all right, we'll go with it. The, the fact right. that both of her parents are, of course, just like classic Spanish people. It's like yes. anytime they put Catherine of Aragon into anything and they're like, look mm-hmm. how she's so like dark she's and Spanish. Spanish. And it's like, she was a redhead. Right. <laughs> who lived in England since she was six. In terms of who the actual king and queen would have been, I think we can say for the sake of argument, our, our dates are as usual a little fuzzy, that uh, she would be Portuguese. Okay. So that's but they're still arguing in Spanish. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, they, they sort of uh, Francis and Marie, uh, the king and queen of France, come off as like vaguely English, but they actually would have been both French in this particular case. Okay, okay. Because Francois the first is the first of like his lineage of like his like direct male line mm-hmm. to be king. He is like a cousin of some kind, and so he ends up marrying the daughter of the previous king. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta. That's one of these arranged marriages that didn't make anybody very happy as Henry is very, oh it takes pains to remind my remind his parents, like, your marriage is shit. Like, uh, yeah, look at you guys. Wow. <laughs> Oof. It's like, okay. Like, yeah. Henry. They're both at that point thinking, God, we should, I wish we had been able to, like, have, like, six more children at least, because this is, this one. Oof. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, also, like, the real Henry actually had an older brother who died when he was, like, in his teens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So actually, that could have been interesting if they'd been like, ugh, fuck, if only your brother hadn't died. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, why do we keep that one? <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, I love when history comes, like, just butts up against whatever story they're trying to tell. Right. Like, my, I'm sure, much maligned by 
by you, but much beloved by me, uh, television show Rain, where eventually they were just like, oh, God, Francis has to die. Mm-hmm. Like, shoot, I guess he has to die because he dies. Uh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of um, kill him off and everyone goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite example of this is, of course, is uh, the, I actually have not seen that, but the, uh, the Tudors, I like how it by like two episodes into season one, it's like, so you just wrote King James the first out of existence. Yes, because they didn't think <laughs> you could handle more than one princess named Mary, even right. though one of them was a child. Right. It's like, like okay, I, I feel like it's not read, that confusing. If you read any book set in that time period, whether it's historical fiction or just a history book, everyone has the same name. And I actually have seen reviewers complain about that. They're like, oh, why is everybody named Anne? I'm like, because everybody was named Anne. Everyone was named Anne or Catherine, because yeah. if you had a baby, you'd probably name her after the queen, because you were being nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone everyone was a Thomas. Like, you tried to read, right. like, Wolf Hall, and it's like, I don't right. know which Thomas yeah. is talking to me it's right like now. seven Thomases, right? I mean, I, I covered the other Boleyn girl, and I was like, I usually don't complain about there not being enough men in movies, but there's, like, six separate men named Thomas who aren't in this movie that the story would make more sense if they were. But at least the Tudors gave us my favorite moment in all of historical television, which was Henry going, now, Thomas, you're no saint. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's a joke for me. (laughs) And we do, of course, have that Thomas represented here, since uh, he is, of course, the author of Danielle's fave book, Utopia. I hope she doesn't, like, read about his family life at all. <laughs> right! She's like, right? Oh. Yeah, and I'm going to talk more about Utopia. there. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to talk more about Utopia later and the ways in which, like, maybe she would be not that into Utopia if she yeah. read all of Utopia. But I also want to talk about Henri and Danielle's relationship, which begins when she's buying back Maurice's freedom. So he basically overhears what's going on. She ends up quoting Utopia at him, which he is impressed by, but then basically says, like, that book sucked. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wow, great. Uh, mm. And he literally says, we have, like, he essentially, like, all but literally says, because I don't care about poor people. Yes. <laughs> and that comes up so frequently, and, and he's just constantly, she's saying, look, I'm not asking a lot. I'm not saying you have to not be king. I'm just saying you have to be a king who thinks about all of his people, because your power comes from your subjects. And he's like, ah, but that's bullshit. And if anything, she's saying, like, you actually should be king and you should be and you should care about being king. Yes. So at some point, yeah. he's like, I don't want to be king. Fuck it. And she's like, you should want to be king. You could, like, make things better. Yeah. Like, that was that's your role. Like, that's your responsibility. Yeah. And if that's what you were born into, you need to make something of it. And he's just like, I don't know about that. I don't want to. I feel like this movie ultimately ends up... Uh, present like okay ends up creating it for like 11 year old me very unrealistic expectations about the extent to which men are willing to like change and grow as people oh absolutely but at least (laughs) i'll say that at the very least all of henry's changes just seem to be the result of actually listening to someone and granted it's someone that he has to want to make out with to listen to but even the decisions that he ultimately makes when he decides that he wants to start a university, he's like, look, I invited the Romani to our wedding, uh, to this party. Like, that means I'm uh-huh. very gregarious. <laughs> like, I'm look a at great me. guy. Look at me. I'm going to found a university because you're hot and you like books. But at the very least, I 
I'll say that I appreciate those changes more than I would if he was presented in any kind of, like, harsher manner. If this was a different movie right. and he was, you know, like a true, a true asshole, I think, then I would. He's yeah. just sort of, he's just kind of a pompous kid. He's like a spoiled rich kid and he's never yeah. thought seriously about anything in his life. Yeah, he only listens when a pretty girl tells him, but, I mean, at least he listens. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, it's not, it's not that his, bad overall. His dad is just always yelling at him, so I right. can't be too surprised. And they do have a lot, I, I like that a little later, there are some moments where he does mention, like, when they go to the, the, the ruins, and he says, you know, this is where my father liked to come before there were wars. So there mm-hmm. is this sort of idea that, like, his father used to be a different person, and used to, yeah. maybe, they would hang out more and talk, and then you know, things got very real and he had to mm-hmm. do, you know, King stuff. And yeah, and it's probably part of Henry's thing is he's like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And it also provides some context for, you know, him wanting Henry to grow up to make an appropriate marriage. Is that like, he, like, he actually, like, he has like just been in a war. He actually basically like brought like in real life, basically like brought Da Vinci back from the war, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> my spoils of war i brought this old man (laughs) right you know he like agreed to it like he didn't just like Uh, drag him by the hair (laughs) but um but he like you know meets da vinci and like talks him like while he's like at war in the italian peninsula and like talks him into coming back from italy (laughs) i do appreciate how they're very careful to have da vinci be like love is great and amazing i will specifically never mention the gender uh-huh. of any person I uh-huh. might have possibly ever had feelings for. Yep. It's like, all right, good movie. Good for you. Which, like, is, you know, it's nice. Like, it, I mean, it would have been great if he was, like, openly gay. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's 1998. They're probably not going to do that. I like at least that Da Vinci is not, like, specifically heterosexual. Yeah, they don't have him, you know, they didn't just toss in some sort of lost love that is right. like, oh, and it was a lady. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? What? Like, was it, though? Was it a lady? I also don't know at that time period how I, I don't know enough to know how openly gay he could have been anyway. Like It's like frankly. the kind of thing where you don't really talk about it, but everybody knows, mm. I would okay. say. Well, I mean, you know, he did bring, he did have all those just guys with him on his, right. his carriage. He's right. Like, it's like everybody basically knows what's going on, but it's like not polite to talk about it. Okay. That's fair. All yeah. Right. That's better than I would have anticipated, honestly. Yeah. And, like, occasionally there's, like, preachers railing against against mm-hmm. homosexuality, but, like, most of the time it's just, like, eh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's better than the, like, essentially it's, like, for a lot of the time for, like, the, like, wealthy men, it's basically, like, eh, that's better than them trying to seduce noble women if they're just sleeping with each other. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> especially, in, like, in the, like, in the Italian cities, it's actually, like, a big thing in particular that they're basically, like, eh, could be worse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so at some point, try to get someone pregnant. Just right. please, just right. just give it a shot. Like once you get married, try to get somebody pregnant. But like honestly, the fact that you're not now either like getting pregnant some village girl and then like mm-hmm. will have to like pay for this or whatever, and you're not like seducing noble women and like fucking with our marriage plan with somebody's marriage plans. Those are both worse options in a lot of ways than just like the kind of tacit assumption that they are sleeping with other men. All right. That's yeah. that's actually better than I had anticipated because yeah. I really thought that it was just a sort of immediate now you're in prison type thing. Like as I said, like you don't want to be like too overt about it necessarily, mm-hmm. but like as long as you're not like literally caught having sex, 
you're probably basically fine. Well, I mean, at least he's out there just preaching preaching love for everyone yeah. and preaching love. Helping Danielle get ready for prom, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's yeah. It's also very much like this their relationship is like it's not quite like an enemies to lovers trope trope, but it's very much a like she at least like claims that she like thinks he's an asshole and he's very into her. When they first meet, she's very like concerned that he's going to recognize her from before, which of course he doesn't. And is like, has this very convoluted attempt to like not give him her name. She's like, says she's visiting a cousin and he's like, who? My cousin? (laughs) Well, the only one I have, sire. (laughs) I'm waiting at that point. That's the moment where you, you probably just want to be like, I'm a little concerned about what's happening right now. Like, are you all right? (laughs) Right. Like, the fact that she's trying actively to not tell you her name is red flag number one. And then the fact that, like, every time he sees her, she, like, comes out of nowhere, disappears. (laughs) Nobody at court has any idea who she is. Nope. Although I do appreciate his mom being like, there are too many people for me to know everyone. Oh, my God. But even she at some point... But even she, at some point, she eventually is like, I keep asking people and like, and like, I feel like she's like semi-serious when she was like, I was worried she was a ghost. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I was getting very concerned about the fact that my son is talking about this girl that no one knows about. Right. Like, because uh, it makes sense. Because we even see when the queen eventually kind of meets Marguerite that she kind of, it seems like, like, she doesn't actually know who she is, right? She has to like ask somebody in her carriage, mm-hmm. what's, what's that girl's name again? Yeah. But that makes sense, right? Is that, like, she doesn't know anybody. There's there's too many courtiers, as she says. But, like, the assumption I feel like she has is that, like, there are other people who bother knowing people's names and that she could oh, find yeah, that's, that's out why she has that lady in waiting with her. Exactly. Like, that's what ladies in waiting are for, is to know <laughs> yeah. the people that aren't important enough for you to know. <laughs> I mean, and especially when you consider that there are so many people and they probably just, you know, are continuously having more children. And you just, it's like, oh, here's this new bat of ladies in waiting like who are they oh god like who are these ones (laughs) when can i get them married to people and away from from here (laughs) like oh boy they're having fun they go to a library it's very nice it is the monks are like thanks for just stopping by i guess (laughs) right hello i also don't know enough about when they do try to throw in history like his whole thing about asking why danielle doesn't go to church like, I don't know what that was about. Oh, right. I mean, it makes sense, like, that they actually probably would both be at church. And she says that, you know, well, oh, I, I, my faith is better at home. And he's just like, oh, yeah, my father's edict. And I'm like, okay, which one? I don't know what that is. You're I in think, France. Yeah. I assumed you were all just Catholic. We have a lot of, like, fuzziness in terms of, histor- of like, times. Mm. But if we, so, like, if we base this on, like, when da Vinci arrived in France, for example, we're still pre-Protestant Reformation. That's 1516, and Luther's yeah. theses are uh, 1517. So I think there is an edict, but I think it is later. I just like that they thought, like, they had to have a reason why. Right. Because everyone right. else is at church. And it's also, like, it's socially normal that everybody, or that most people would be at church, even if there isn't an edict. If- so. Even though I don't think the king and queen would have just been at their local parish, <laughs> I'm pretty right. sure they yeah. had their own. <laughs> I yeah. like that part. Yeah. And just that whole bit with the necklace where the the page br- sneaks out the necklace, yes. which why would he have been near her jewelry? Like, that's specifically someone's job. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, what is exactly his job? I don't know. But yeah. He yeah. Just to necklace. run around. And he gives it... 
he gives it to Redmilla, who gives it to Marguerite so she can pretend that she found it. And the queen is his face. I like that she's like, I don't even remember putting this necklace on. Wow. Okay. Huh. Okay. Look, I'm look not suspicious at all. Just dropping. I'm just dropping rubies. Right. All over yeah. town. I like at the end that Danielle is wearing it. Yes, I did too. I, that was actually the first time I noticed that detail was on this watch. And I was like, she just got the necklace now. But I do like that she's like, wow, I can't believe I just dropped this incredibly expensive necklace. I know. It's like, how weird. Wasn't paying attention. And this is the, also, of course, the, like, one of the sort of beginnings of uh, Rudmilla and Marguerite's, like, aggressive plot to get Henry to marry Marguerite, which is uncomfortable. Oh, my God. The whole... I mean, that alone says that there must be, they must have some kind of title, that Mm -hmm. this is even a consideration, that no one at any point is like, shut this down. But just, she's so aggressively just like, hey, Prince Henri, wanna wanna get with it? I I don't know if I can swear. Oh, yes, Uh, you can swear. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) She is DTF, and she is just like, hi... Here's so, like, this the, tennis ball. And the bit with the chocolate where he's like, oh, you want to taste this? And she like opens her mouth and makes oh my him God. feed her. I'm like, that like that would be just an immediate, like, get this person away from me right now. I know. I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Also, Absolutely where did not. I get bar chocolate in? <laughs> right. Yeah. Good. That's the thing is that like, yeah, the chocolate is like in like a bar and it's like, okay. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> Part of me just like those it's those little things where I'm like, I don't know okay. a lot about history, but I know that that's not right. right. It was like on the Tudors when they had uh, Princess Margaret just marry some random king of Portugal. And I'm like, there was not one to be had at the time, ma'am. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, for. Right. Well, it's not like they I mean, it's because they screw up the timeline. And so they can't marry. And so they screw up the timeline so that you already have the like young hot king of France and the old king of France that she married is dead. Yeah. And so they like have to marry her off to a king of somewhere else. I do feel like in historical stuff nowadays, there is this tendency to just kind of treat Portugal as like a free for all because people are like, like, I don't know what happened in Portugal. And actually in terms of the incestuousness of European royalty, it is so the niece right right yeah but it's also (laughs) i was gonna say so that sister of henry the eighth mary she's the one who was married to the king of france louis the 12th whose daughter is then married to francis the first so she is the stepmother of prince Henri's mother and then they wonder they wonder that there were issues and everyone was dramatic and i like how angry everyone is that he might (laughs) marry this Spanish princess but it's like it's not as if this never happened it happened I wasn't all aware the time. that there was that much animosity between Spain and France uh I mean I, just, I mean I it's like know. on and off I mean I believe they are on the opposite side of these wars in Italy that and that I mean had. at the time that was how many kingdoms eh, decent amount so, <laughs> who knows Italy, <laughs> yeah. Italy what are you doing my ancestors yeah. are going I don't even know yeah None of it, yeah, none of it mattered. I will guarantee that none of it mattered to anyone I'm dimly related to, because we were all just <laughs> on our piece of ground somewhere going, I don't know who's in charge right. of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just like some food. Please don't let me starve. Yeah, please. I will serve whoever. 
is in charge right. of this region. Just right. Let's keep and my it family moving. on my mom's side is Jewish, which means that they were basically like, "Yeah, I just want to be not killed or kicked out, baby." <laughs> You're like, "Hello, uh, that'd be cool." Like, "Hi, how are we all doing? Thank you." Can Can we stay and not not get murdered? That'd be fun. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and I like how that was still such even fully into like the Victorian era, where it just is sort of like, well. That's so exotic. Like, Jewish, you say. And it's right. Like, oh boy. <laughs> Especially in England. There are no minorities in this version of Oh, no. <laughs> of France, oh, no. Except for the Romani, who are right. just kind of colorful French people. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we've got the we've got the Romani who are, like, fun. And they have, like, their fun episode where they're, like, get drunk with the Romani. So, Danielle the next day is, like, hungover and snarky. Which yes. leads into the scene that makes me sob every time I, an adult, watch this movie. Oh. Where, so she, so there's this bit where, you know, she has the mother's dress and shoes. And when they first get it out, Danielle kind of pops in. And they're like, oh, we were getting this out for you. But now she's, like, been a bitch to them one time. So they're not going to keep up that pretense anymore. And are, like, basically having Marguerite to try it on. Or she's, like, about to try it on. Danielle is upset because, like, this is her mother's stuff. And when she says, like, these are my mothers, Marguerite responds, yes, and she's dead. Oh, and I know. Danielle punches her in the face, and it's so satisfying. Because it's not just, and she's dead. It's a full bitch, and she's dead. Yes. Like, oh! Yes, and so that punch, and she's, like, chasing through the house, like, yelling that she's going to rip her hair out. Also, it's 1513, legitimately everyone you know has at least one parent who is dead. I'm sorry. That's just She also has presumably a dead <laughs> yes. father, actually. Yes. Like, Marguerite also has a dead parent, which is just not being discussed. Like, let's be fair. Everyone that you know knows someone. Someone in their family has died because that's right. just what we're playing with here. Right. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that part is yes. so rough. And then she yeah. uh, holds she Utopia the over the book. fire. Yeah, and says, you know, and basically, like, says, like, basically, like, I'll give you the book if you give me the shoes. And then she gives her the shoes. And then, of course, because Marguerite is the worst, she still throws the book in the fire. And Ramilla even holds her back so she can't even try to grab it. Because she could have grabbed it. (sighs) Yeah, she could have grabbed it and it would have been a bit singed and it would have made it. Yeah. (sighs) Also, I don't know why they had such a fire, like, that high of a fire burning. Right. It's, like, a very serious fire. Maybe it's very cold out. It we'll, could be very we'll cold. Maybe they were boiling water or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. One thing I did notice about that scene, only because I was reading the the IMDb, the goofs, which mm-hmm. are always hilarious, is that somebody has as a goof that when Marguerite is running away from Danielle, she like stops at the bottom of the stairs and steps back and keeps running so that <laughs> the Danielle can catch up. And I'm right. like, have you never seen a movie or a play? <sighs> or Like, that's just right. staging. Right. She can't just take off out of Drew Barrymore's reach. Right. (laughs) No, that's that's, not how it works. Like, she's got to do something to compensate for the fact that she's running ahead of her. She can't just keep running. It's the fact that someone was like, aha, a goof. It's like, no, that's just how it works. Like, in the same movie where everyone is, like, talking about having paper money and, Mm -hmm. like, her Cinderella's glass slippers just kind of look like some slides you would have bought right? the mall for, for your prom dress. They're just some sparkly mules. But, you know, they're, they're cute. Her, her dress is very nice. Oh, the dress is beautiful. Yeah. I just And I, I do appreciate that when she first wears the noblewoman dress, she's so uncomfortable with how low cut it is. 
And then she just keeps going with all the super low-cut dresses. Oh, my God. Then by the time (laughs) she goes to meet Henry to try to tell him the truth after, because she gets whipped after this. Yes, I will say I love this scene with her and Jacqueline because, like, Jacqueline's the only one who doesn't suck. And that she, first she's, like, you know, doing the, like, you brought this on yourself. But then she's also, like, I'll never forget how Marguerite's feet went up over her head like that. And it's, like, yes, Jacqueline. Yes. <laughs> and from then on, Jacqueline is basically just Team Danielle. She's, like, I'm yeah. here. Like, yeah. you know, we are gonna. And that scene, at least, does definitely pass the Bechdel test. It does. Yeah. Because yes. they're just talking about her punching her sister. And it's right. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> A scene talking about violence against women just passed the Bechdel test. But the case of violence against women perpetuated by a woman, only mm-hmm. witnessed by women, frankly. Yeah. I don't even think Maurice is in the scene. No. So it's just, hey. And I, I she, but the dress that she wears to go try to tell him the truth mm-hmm. is so low cut. It's so low cut. Also, <laughs> she, okay, she she's wish. so cleavagey in that scene yeah. and she's like so upset and she's crying and he tries to he kisses her and he touches her back and she like it's like has oh to in pain, no and it's so awful but she's also just like hello right she's like hello prince, on the prince Henri, i'm here to talk to you also like she just got whipped and she's still like she manages to get into this dress and manages like how long would it have taken somebody to do her hair like that oh her hair is always <laughs> she should just be wearing that hairnet all the time because it's just the most convenient Right. I think she got that from Gustav's paint, like his yeah. paint studio. So unfortunately, yeah. she doesn't have access to it. But it's like, I, at that point, would just be like, nope, I'm literally doing that every day. If I had that much yeah. hair, because she, of course, has she has waist length hair. That is one thing I will say for like the fashion of the time is I would have just literally been like, when do I get to just so I get to put this up when I'm married? Let's do it. Come on. Right. Like, I need yeah. this off of my shoulders. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I mean, I have not had my hair longer than my shoulders in, like, maybe 20 years. Yeah. And I point. do, but I'm very, like, I am constantly just, like, and now it's in braids. And now, yeah. like, I own, I own, like, a snood because I'm that, you know, extra. And it's just, like, here it all bundled it, in. It done. Yeah. I wish, I do wish she'd had some fancier hair. Maybe some nice, right. like, from, like, the Borges, just, yeah. eight. This took eight hours. Right. Here's a, That's like, another one. She inspired one of Ron Miller's, like, headdresses one day. Yes. Like, giant headdresses. Just, and just stick it all up, in like, there. That. Yep. Put a braid around your head and just be like, look, I did it. Hooray. Okay, also, I will say, so the actress who plays Marguerite, I think her name is Megan Dodds or something like that, if I'm not making that up. I have never seen her in anything, which else, mm. which I think is a shame because I think she is excellent. Like, I think that scene with, like, with throwing the book in the fire, I think, like, her, like, physical performance is excellent. And also the scene after that where, so she's, you know, having her, I want to say tea, but I think that's just, like, a weird English thing that's happening in my head because I think it's actually wine with the queen. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> While they're doing this, yeah, like, so the queen mentions the name, uh, Comtesse de Lancre, and at that point, uh, uh, Radmilla recognizes the name as being that of Auguste's first wife. And, you know, so she realizes what's going on, and she, you know, indicates to Marguerite what's going on, and Marguerite gets up, walks out. Yes, and I love that, like, I love the, like, weirdness of that. She doesn't do it right there. She gets up and walks away, but she walks, like, two feet away. 
Like, she doesn't walk far enough away for it to not be noticeable. But she, like, walks, like, two feet away and has, like, a screaming tantrum. Yes. At which point the queen is like, are you okay? And, like, just, like, the, like, way she says then, there was a bee. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, so I, like That line is hysterical. And I think it's such a good performance. And, like, the way that she, like, oh. switches back and forth between these, like, courtier manners versus this just, like, nastiness and including these, mm-hmm. like, very, like, physically volatile performances. Well, like, and I think it's a great yeah. performance. And even the scenes where, that we talked about previously, where she is just coming on to Henry is mm-hmm. done so well because I think it would have been very easy for them to have also obviously Henry is not super into it uh, but that is mostly I think just because he is not feeling her overall vibe Mm -hmm. she's just in and of itself like she's doing a pretty good job of putting all that out there in a way that I think that a lot of movies would have still would have made that more comical like just very like oh hello like but she's very just like hi like and especially with the way the stepsisters are often portrayed like they're often portrayed as both being potentially unattractive and as being Mm -hmm. people that like men would find unappealing for a variety of reasons she's clearly somebody who Henri is not into it for a variety of reasons but that she is very appealing like she's very sexy Mm -hmm. and that is absolutely how she comes off yeah, yeah, so there's this bit where she's, like, buying a brooch, and it, the guy's, like, at first, like, the guy's, like, if I give you anything bigger than the one you got right now, she's gonna f- just fall over. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this big, giant brooch, and she just has it right in the middle of her chest, just like, hello, yes. look at this. And I love, actually, the scene where Henri, like, is like, oh, he's, like, nice brooch. And then Jacqueline's got, like, a feather, and she just, like, sticks the feather, like, yeah. between her boobs. She's like, hey, what about hey. these? I got, I got this. I got, I got the boob, the boob attraction, like the boob magnet thing. And that, you know, and I'm as happy as I am that they do have her, you know, end up finding love as well. And she gets to be, you know, it's still so very not anything against the guy that she ends up with, who's sort of Henri's like buddy, like his like, you know. He's like a captain of the guards, I think. Yeah. Is... Who is always the prince's best friend in all of right. these sorts of stories. It's always, <laughs> inevitably. <laughs> but it's still very much this kind of, they meet cute over the buffet table. Right. And he likes Which is very her. rom-com. It is. It's, it's, it always reminds me of a review that I read of the movie The Holiday, which mm-hmm. said that all of, you know, Jude Law and Cameron Diaz get to be the hot couple who, like, make out and hook up. And Kate Winslet and Jack Black are the, like, couple that meets and actually has conversations because you know they're not mm-hmm. as good looking it's, just but like, it's also like especially like it's like uh, it's Kate Winslet yeah and Jack Black especially that era yeah, like Jack he's, Black yeah, like it's he's like not no bad. this is fine like he's not bad but, Kate Winslet is like one of the most beautiful women in the world <laughs> that whole movie I love that movie but that whole movie she's just like oh I'm just yeah. so plain and I live in it's this like, like dowdy what village it's like uh your life is amazing you just picked a really like a fuck boy yeah like go to america meet a good guy and then just bring him back to england like just bring him back to your house yeah (laughs) so jacqueline and i think claude is his name possibly they just it's just still that very like i think it's they're not the make out oh right right. they're not the make out couple no you know they just look they found each other that's nice it's like okay 
Still 1998. Right. All right. Like, it's like, it's nice that they have like the person who's presented as like the, like not conventionally attractive people can find love, but it's also like, they could also be sexually attracted to each other, but exactly. Okay. Like they're allowed yeah. to also make out. Yeah. And we, although given the, the kind of movie that it is, I mean, Danielle and Henri barely make out. That's true. Like there's like a few makeouts. It's like relatively, like it is a relatively chaste relationship in terms yeah. of what we are shown of it. What is this movie rated? Like, is this is this PG? It's I think it's PG, and according to what Disney Plus told me, it's because of language. I believe was what they said, mm. and I think because people drink wine, mm. not because of the <laughs> uh, you know the sexual assault that is implied, right. but. Right. <laughs> mm. Rating yeah. system. Fred Miller, now knowing what's going on, locks up Danielle in the cellar. And uh, I do like Danielle's little clap back. Like, what bothers you is, that, is what bothers you. Is it that I'm common or that I am competition? <laughs> and and you, you really want, there's a part of you that wants her to just be like, oh, you mean the prince whose, whose tongue was in my mouth? I know, day? right? Like, that prince? <laughs> oh, you mean that prince yep. that I carried on my back? Yeah. Don't ask about it. <laughs> he definitely hung touched out, my boob my one time. It wasn't in the movie because it's PG, but he definitely groped my boob in the oh, middle of one of those makeout once. sessions. Yeah. I have many layers on, so it wasn't as much as you would think, but you know what? It still happened. Right. Well, still there's the bit where she's like in her underwear, basically. So Yeah, that's true. There was there is definitely I mean, some it's boob still a full, I mean, it's voluminous a full dress. underwear, yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's like what we might consider to be a normal amount of layers. Yes. And also, they aren't going to do this, uh, obviously, but I mean, she probably wouldn't have had any underwear on, or if she did, it would have had split, so it's just like, we have, I just, there is this, such this idea of the past where it is just so like, oh, and it was so sad, and everyone was just wearing 18 layers at all the time, and (laughs) no one ever had sex until they absolutely had to. Of course not. It's like, oh, uh-huh, okay. And I'm going to mention now, because we have a callback for it, is that so they are going to the ball. So Renmilla locks uh, Danielle in the cellar and is, like, furious and basically also just tells the serpents, like, essentially she's like, I am going to, like, murder you if you let them out, if you let her out. And Jacqueline's like, it's only a ball, to which she responds, yes, and you're only going for the food in one of the mm. many weird fat jokes about a person who is not fat among you know like and it would not be okay even if she were but also she's not but there's a callback for that one it's yes and it's amazing and it's my favorite part of the whole movie but also yeah i probably would be too because that Mm -hmm. food looked great (laughs) yeah the food looks looks better than they had at home yeah it's like yeah i also would only be here for the food at like all of these parties yeah Mm -hmm. it's like okay this is fine yeah i do like the part when they meet the the romani who have mm-hmm. come? Who were in play earlier? Because they rob Da Vinci. Yes, yeah, so they're the ones who they're the ones who stay who steal the poster tube with the Mona Lisa in it. They steal his copy of the Mona Lisa that he bought for his dorm room, and it's like eight sizes bigger than the Mona Lisa actually is. Which I've never right. seen the Mona Lisa in person, but I mean, but I've it, seen it is it actually pictures. it's like it's small, and one of the things about yeah. it actually is that it's sharing a room with this painting that is uh, this um I can't remember the artist's name, something with a V, but it's this painting of uh, the marriage at Cana, which is like 
it's like one of those paintings that covers an entire wall and it's like filled with all sorts of like weird details yeah. like to the extent that it's like you like barely it's like like finding Jesus in the painting is like where's Waldo <laughs> which it's a great painting but it's also like I feel it's a, like clearly set up because the Mona Lisa is so tiny that only like two people can look at the Mona Lisa at once so it's like here's this giant like weird painting with a bunch of details for everybody to look at while they're waiting to get their turn to look at the Mona Lisa yeah, that's a, that's essentially what I've heard, and I think that is part of the that's one of the things that my my sister in law has always been like. That's not how the Mona Lisa looks. And right. That's not what it's doing. Like, what's right. happening right now? <clears throat> they then basically rob them while Danielle is just like they get lost mm-hmm. coming back from the library, and Danielle climbs up to the top of I don't even know what that is. It's just like it's like a cliff. There's a, a lot hill. of random cliffs. There are many cliffs. And there are many cliffs, and she climbs up to be able to tell what is going on. Henri is very upset that, you know, he's not doing that, because, you know, mm-hmm. he's the man. And she's just like, yeah, whatever, dude. And she's like, why do men never ask for directions? And it's like, ah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, every so often, this movie is still just like, hey, what about comedy? I know, right? And you're like, oh, I don't know about that. There's like the one historical joke that I'll talk more about later, but where his mother says, be careful, like basically like be careful in making your decision. Divorce is only something to do in England. And I'm like, ah, like, I'm not here for that yet. one. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we're like a little off in terms of timing, but you know. No, I, I appreciate that that, and it's not just that that's only something we do in England, but it's also like, oh, mm-hmm. don't, don't do what they do. Right. It's like, that's not, that's not okay. <laughs> like, ew. And that's the animosity I understand. Right, right. It's like, yeah. That's, I just didn't know about France and Spain and all these, uh. Yeah, there's all sorts of animosities. Like, nobody likes each other, really. And oh there's, God, like, no there's, one. I'd say, actually, like, in practice, there's, like, basically constantly shifting alliances between England, France, and Spain. I think every so often someone in, like, a mountain in now Germany is like, hello. Right. No? Okay. No? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anne of Cleves shows up and everyone's like, where are you from? What's that? You again? Where? What? Protestant, huh? I, I'm also seeing, because I was looking at your notes, and I think the reason they probably had that fire going is because all the tapestries have gone missing. So their house right. is very Yeah, cold. the house is freezing. Yeah. <laughs> like, the tapestries are gone. They, like, the candlesticks are also gone. Like, so the fire no is combination. See. Yeah, the fire is, like, roarings to provide light and warmth in the absence of everything that's been taken from this house. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, no, we don't have anywhere to put our candles. Uh, right. This is unfortunate. Yeah, the fireplace is, like, the one thing that they kind of, like, sold off because it's the only thing that, like, you know, it's like, it's like oh, well, it doesn't come out. So, you know, it's going to stay where it is, I guess. <laughs> we were going to try, but right. uh, Danielle is told by the head of the Romani that she could take anything that she can carry. So she mm-hmm. hikes Henri up on her back and everyone is so charmed that they're like okay like come and party with us but i always love that scene that's always one of my favorites it's very charming i also like that it's not easy like this is clearly like an effort on her part she's like all right i'm doing this but she's also lifting like doug ray scott who's a solid dude i mean i didn't look up any details about like the stunts or anything for this movie but like it looks like it actually is like drew barrymore lifting i think it is her under her back yeah which like you know she she is noticeably smaller than he is yeah like she's she's tiny i think they they made lots of jokes about that on on santa clarita diet because she was you know a zombie right it's like but you're so little like what are you gonna do (laughs) but yeah it was that they that's when they they party the next day she is hungover 
and grumpy. That I like that that's what leads Redmilla to kind of start to figure things out because the yeah. queen says, oh, you know, my son snuck out the other night and he and was out like, until dawn. Hmm. And she's like, hmm, I know someone else who was out until dawn. Interesting. Leonardo da Vinci is the fairy godmother <laughs> because her friend Gustave, who, again, as we talked about earlier, never has a single moment where he's, like, jealous. Like, he is totally on, like, team, like, get Danielle with the prince. At some point, he even forces, like, a like an interaction between them that she's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I don't have a crush on him. And he's like, uh-huh. And then, he's, and then Henri shows up and Gustave's like, she's staying here and she's alone right now. Like, if you went to her house, which is this house at this address... Uh-huh then you would, you would totally find see her. her. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could hang out, just saying. Yeah. So he goes and fetches Da Vinci. He also, in doing so, because he needs to, like, steal a uniform to get into the party, uh, does throw a uh, a pot at the air, drop a pot upon the head of the uh, our, our spy, Toby Jones. I assume just knocks him out. We don't see him again. He might be dead. Yeah. He <laughs> never comes back. He does not receive any punishment for being a spy. He is simply gone. So yeah, right. I think he might have killed him. Right. Gustav might have killed a man, but you know. Yeah, so he might be dead, but that's okay. I do appreciate though the scene that when he Toby Jones brings, I believe it's when he brings her maybe the necklace or no, maybe at some point when he's bringing her information when yes. she's doing Ramilla's doing the whole like, oh, and then one day you and I and her daughters are both just like, oh. Like, <laughs> right? And it's also like, dude, you don't believe her. <laughs> You don't really think that this is going to happen. Like, this is uh, not going to happen. It's like, But I appreciate she's that like, she's doing that in front of her daughters. And even Marguerite right? is like, ew. I know. Mom. <laughs> but it's also like, this is where Marguerite learned it from, right? Like. Oh, yeah. It's also like, oh, a goose. She probably did that on a goose and he probably fell uh, for it. Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he had that, like, old, he had that bowl cut. Yeah. He was a nice that's just man. what they did. He was. Yeah. And he was a good dad. Yeah. And he probably would have been a very good husband if you were yeah. not a horrible bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's be honest. And honestly, if, like, if he just wasn't dead, like, I feel like, uh, like, I actually could see, I think she would have been somewhat problematic long term because I think she would have been kind of pressuring him to spend money on things that he was not up for spending money on. Yes. But I think that, like, but, like, he clearly was making money because like thinking about it like if we just like take for the sake of argument that the economics of this make even at the smallest amount of sense <laughs> there was enough wealth to basically like live off of for a decade mm-hmm. which yeah. is like like doing very little to make money except like selling some vegetables yeah and like, occasionally selling off household goods as we'll get into the yeah, details it, it doesn't appear to be there you know they don't have serfs or anything you know, they're right. not. Yeah. And it's also, I think, extra sad because both Auguste and Danielle are, it's like the most perfectly situated family to become mm-hmm. a step parent in. Yeah. Because Danielle is super excited to get a mom. Right. Because she's so, she was so young when her mother died that like she you know, there's is There's no idea very... that, oh, you're going to interfere. She's the one who, like we said, is just like, well, now you're married. Like, yay. Yeah. I, have, I get a mom. I get sisters. And he seems like, you know, a pretty good dude who isn't absurdly, you know, we don't see it, but not, you know, hung up on his wife or his, pa- right. his late wife or anything. So ultimately, it does seem like 
the situation you would want to be <laughs> the second wife in. It's like, yeah. oh, I got this great husband. He's making money. Got this nice house. My the stepdaughter's adorable. And she's also very like, eager to please. I mean, and that's right, I think, mm-hmm. very much the context behind the fact that she basically accepted being, like, made into a servant in her own home is that, like, <sighs> she was just always, like, extremely eager to please this woman who, mm-hmm. as, like, we'll talk about, but, like, she's basically, like, you're the closest thing I've ever had to a mom. Yeah. And, like, this is all I've ever wanted to do was to try to make you happy. Like, I just yeah. wanted you to like me. She also, you know, has her big plan is, you know, she tells... Gustav at one point like look if they get if Marguerite marries the prince they're all gonna get the hell out of my house yeah and like I can run the manor and they'll leave me alone which is not accurate whatsoever no they would sell off the manor it's a good dream Danielle yeah no they would sell off the manor and you um on the basis of this movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. The, the party is is a masquerade party. I don't know how prevalent those have ever been throughout they, time. I don't they know. They existed, at least. Fine. Okay, they existed, yeah. at least. Yeah. Henry like VIII actually decide. had a whole thing where he, like, oh, yeah. he was like very... showed up masked at things. He's like, nobody knows who I am. And it's like, everybody knows who you fucking are. I love that that was always his, like, thing. Which, right. even before, you know, kind of the cliche classic, like, old, you know, fat Henry. It's like, dude, you're still easily one of the tallest people here right it's like they they know who you are hair yeah everybody knows dressed like the king Uh uh-huh with like a mask on it's like they they know who you are they figured it out it's like uh you're not you're actively not fooling anyone and the thing is is that if this isn't a situation where we're supposed to know it's you and we're pretending you legitimately think you're fooling us yeah yeah so this is a masked ball we have uh uh, marguerite in her peacock get up and jacqueline as the horse which she's (laughs) Annoyed by God's noble creatures. Yes, and it leads to the meet cute (laughs) with Laurent because he is also dressed as a horse, so they like neigh at each other. (laughs) Yeah. He's just like eating a carrot. A whole carrot. Like he's like way into it. He's like, yeah, no, this is this is who I'm meant to be. Henri learns from his mother that Nicole is engaged, and that's what she was trying to tell him that day. Belgium did not exist. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> but she's engaged to a Belgian. It's from because, the like, what they actually, what actually would have made sense in context to talk about somebody like from that region probably would have been to like say like to a Flemishman or a Fleming, I guess <laughs> is the actual term. And they're like, we can't say Fleming. We just can't. We can't fucking do that. We cannot in this movie say it. She's engaged to a Fleming because everyone's gonna go. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she's engaged to a what? And that because that sounds so vaguely insulting since it's <laughs> right. not something we say anymore that you'd be like a what are you right. can you say that like right. yes, I mean, actually that just me <laughs> yeah i mean especially in america right where like they're we like we don't pay attention to like the differences between people in belgium like we don't pay yeah. attention to the fact that there's still like a flemish like that there's still like a different language that isn't french spoken in belgium and that like that's a thing <laughs> like nobody knows that the same as like how i everyone's like shocked when i tell them like yeah i mean i study what is now spain and i very rarely actually have to speak Spanish because everybody actually prefers Catalan. <laughs> and they're just going, I'm sorry, uh, what? Right. And it's like, I, no, like I, I spoke Spanish like two times in my three months that I was here. Well, it's also like how, you know, any you, people see older documents and mm-hmm. are, I mean, I do not see anything this old, but people are consistently surprised that things aren't just all in English or French. Right. It's like, no, it's Latin. It's Latin. Like, yeah. That's... Yeah. Or just the fact, the thing that I, that endlessly uh, entertains people that I see a lot at my job with medical, old medical texts is mm-hmm. that there is no consistent spelling of things and right. everyone's fine at that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
you 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 spelled surgery whatever way you thought was appropriate that day. Mm-hmm. It's very annoying. And yeah, oh yes, yes it is. <laughs> it is when I go through books and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. I don't I, I don't speak German, but I can usually figure it out. But I don't know what this word is. You've made it up. Yes, <laughs> you invented this. Also, the medicine that you were discussing is wrong because this book is from yes. 1587, and I don't know what is happening. Yeah, no, they're they're not they're not good. But they do have some very complicated urine charts, which are oh something. so complicated. Oh my god, there are so many colors. The best is anything that is like this graph, like this picture that I'm drawing you, is about how people get I don't know migraine headaches. But mm-hmm. I will put an angel and a salamander in the same picture because obviously there is something going on with the humors and like maybe the angels are you know you're feeling that and there's also Mm. fire and you're like no oh what Mm. uh right it's like you know Leonardo da Vinci all these amazing inventions amazing things also thought erections came from like your lungs Right. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, oh. you know, they thought that like, that, you know, they thought that like you're like when you like nursed your children as a woman, that that was like your menstrual blood and it like frothed up a lot. So like, you know, I love any, any painting, any medieval painting involving breastfeeding. So it's like, oh, you okay. had That's to so have funny. seen this happen. They don't know what breasts look like. I mean, they like, right? Like, they it's don't like, know what breasts looks like. They they're don't like know little what flaps like. coming out of the collarbone. There is just a full grown, there's a small man on your mm-hmm. lap. Uh-huh. And you are just flipping out a completely flat breast like from the top of boobs. your collarbone. Mm-hmm. And you're just spraying milk into this very small man's mouth mm-hmm. from several feet away. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, I guarantee that you have seen a woman nurse a baby because that's all they could do at that time. Right. There so was, was no like, other you, option. You've probably seen that, but yeah. No. I don't understand why this is happening and i get that it's an art style but if you can draw a person i assume you could look at a person i get if you've never seen a lion and you're like i'm making this up for this painting fine but then you see ones that's like a horse and you're like no what you you've seen a horse i know you right. have right <laughs> there are some I, really I know. poor like renaissance horses God. there was probably a horse you could have gone to look at right i, I sure guarantee you <laughs> I mean, Gustav apparently is a good painter, but we only see yeah. him painting, like, hey. Yeah, but yeah, like, the prince says he likes his painting. Like, Da Vinci goes, is gonna go see his paintings. I like that he's just, when I guess when Leonardo Da Vinci travels, he brings his entire just sort of lab art studio. Right. Because the scene, the montage where he's painting the portrait of Danielle that we see in the beginning, it's just very much like, oh, he just brought all that with him? Wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he's there for like three he's, years. Yeah, you've got to bring everything. Yeah. Yeah, like he dies in France, like, so. That's right. That's yeah. true. He shows up and he removes the hinges, which lets her out of the cell. <laughs> she tells him basically what's really going on. He's like, no, it's good. Like, the prince is going to be really understanding. Generous uh, there. Because he does point out, she says, well, you know, I'm just a servant. And he says, well, I'm a bastard. Yeah, it's like, I'm a bastard son of a peasant. Who cares? That's why I don't have a last name. Like, yeah. That's why people just know where I'm from. Right. Those, and that's always so sad because that is definitely one of those situations where legitimately every single person in the world in that entire town knew exactly who his dad was. And we're just know, like, oh, right? well. Mm. Like, how awkward. How horrible to just so have weird. to walk down the street and be like, like oh. Mm. Yeah, and then <laughs> my second favorite line in the movie, which is, a bird may love a fish, signore, but where would they live? And she says, then I will have to make you wings. And she gets wings for the uh, for the ball. 
And yeah, and she she shows up, and she's so pretty, and the prince oh, is so happy when he sees she's wearing her. So much facial glitter. So much glitter. Oh my god! Yes, it's like like that is like I feel like the like costume thing that bothers me most, and I'm like they. I don't think they had that. I don't think they had like the body like, glitter from Claire's in. <laughs> like I definitely in, like, did. I know exactly where they bought it. I right. owned all of it. Yeah, no, I had that is... in high school, but like they did not have that in 1516, I don't think. I think what people have to realize is that in 1998, we were very glittery for mm-hmm. no reason at all times, like for the day. Right. That was the thing. I would get ready to go to school in the morning and would put on glitter to right. go to high school. Yeah. It's like 630 in the morning and I'm like, well, time to time roll for my on body this glitter. glitter. Right. And like, it's generally the case that if you look at most medieval or Renaissance paintings, that the people who are in them are dressed like they're in the Middle Ages or the Renaissance, even if the painting's supposed to be like Jesus and it's supposed to be like biblical. Exactly. Yeah. They're still like, yeah, like you, you wear this Renaissance dress. So in the same way, this movie that takes place in the Renaissance from 1998 is like, yeah, she just has a lot of glitter. <laughs> she's going to this fancy party. It's and she's, she's going to wear her glitter. Body glitter. She doesn't have a mask so that he can recognize her easily. So she's yes. just got glitter. So you can recognize her across the entire room. Like I, <laughs> she, okay, I have terrible she was eyesight. Sparkling, right? She was sparkling in the torchlight. But like, how does he know that it's her? Like, I can't make, I can't love. recognize people from that distance. Anyway, but yeah, so he does, and it's very nice, and he's very true happy. Love. Although I guarantee that if my husband appeared at that distance, I, you know, we've been married a while, and I'd still probably be like, "Is that? I think that's my husband, right? Is that you?" Honey? I'll just wave. I'll wave and see what happens. Right. And I love that after all of that whole interaction and the fact that he realized, oh, she was trying to tell me something and I was like running roughshod over her. And then he does the exact same thing. She says, can we go somewhere? I have to tell you something. And he's like, no, I have to introduce you to everyone I know. Right. And and he's like, no, I really have to talk to you. And she's like, and he's like, no, it's fine. Whatever it is, it's great. And then the second he finds out, he's like, this is not great. I'm not here for that. Yeah, Ridmilla like rips off her beautiful fairy wings. So mean. I do like that his initial reaction is basically like, I'm about two seconds away from having you just clapped in irons. And like, woman... But then, of course, when he actually finds out it's true, he's like, you're a servant? Fuck you. Ew. Ew, I kissed you. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. Mm. Even though the second time that they meet, when he thinks that she's Nicole, she's dressed in her servant outfit when she goes swimming. Yeah. Well, maybe he's like, he's this is her like, swimming outfit? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I've never actually seen a woman swim before, so I'm going to assume this is what they do. Right. Yeah. And also, again, like, there are so many red flags about this entire oh situation. And that, like, but that, like, when he, like, finally, like, finds out the end, like, he is shocked, shocked. Oh, my God. That, like, he's there was stunned. something weird going on. Wow. And he's, like, a real jerk about it. Oh, he's terrible. And she runs away. She loses her shoe. And it starts raining because, of course, it does because somebody's sad in a romantic comedy. So she loses all her glitter and her hair comes down and yeah. it's all very sad. Radmilla is like taunting her, I guess, like the next day, basically. Yes. Or soon enough because she says, and she she claims that he was going to propose to Marguerite, which, no, that's, that's, I don't. Okay. It's also just like, he didn't even ask her. <laughs> right like isn't the expectation that you like ask still or at least like let them know at least like you like you let the family know at least like you tell them you tell somebody there would have been so many arrangements to make right it's just like you don't just like announce at a party you you want to get married no public proposals ever not even in the past 
absolutely no. But yeah, they have, she's taunting her. And then, so at this point, I guess that Ramilla still has some belief that there's, there's still a chance for Marguerite because right. the servants start calling to Danielle that all their stuff ha- has been returned mm-hmm. because all it is being returned items. by Pierre Le Pew, who we meet earlier in the scene in the marketplace. And he is Richard O'Brien from Rocky Horror. Right. And he's very creepy. He just kind of exists to be a creep. Gives everyone, everyone just is like, ugh, this guy. He's very into Danielle in a gross way. And has been very obvious about the fact that, like, I would, you know, figure out your whole financial situation if you would just come be my mistress, basically. Right. And it's also, like, the whole thing with the household goods is just so gross in terms of Rodmilla's situation is that so she has been selling off all of this shit to Pierre Le Pew for, like, the last, like, year or so, at least. Mm-mm. Then any time it, like, is made clear that it's something is missing, she accuses servants of having stolen it and says, I'm going to take it out of your wages. It's just like, ugh! The idea that they got wages is a little, like, okay. Uh, oh, no, they I mean, actually, would... they actually, would potential- it? so it, it depends on what their situation is. Like, if they're actually, yeah. like, people who are, like, domestic, who are, like, hired domestic servants, like, yeah, they actually, mm-hmm. like, they have a contract and, like, they get, and, like, they do okay. get paid wages, yeah. But, yeah, it's every single thing is, she says she's gonna take it out. At one point, one of them says to the other, like, you gotta stop saying that stuff is going missing. Mm-hmm. Or she, right, we're like, gonna be paying her. Right. And it's not that surprising. Like, it's something that I was pretty sure, like, like I, I mean, I remembered on this watch, obviously, but, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, even the first time I saw it, it's like you could kind of tell something was yeah. probably going on like that. Because she's not too worried about it. And the stuff that happens, it's, it's you know, big items, like the tapestries, mirrors, right. candlesticks. Where she how just does sort she of seek like, that oh. out is actually the big question. Like, how do you, se- like, tapestries are very large. And there's, like, shares that end up, that, like, they're bringing back, like, when they've got everything, like, on the cart at the end. Yeah. Like, how did she sneak all that stuff out of the house? Like, you can't just take a tapestry down on your own. Right. Like, this isn't a tapestry that you bought on Amazon. Like, this is a massive piece of woven fabric that you're probably going to need other people to help you take down. And she, like, she would have had to, like, get all of these other people out of the house so they wouldn't, like, notice that, like, Pierre Le Pew's men were coming and, like taking down all the tapestries yeah and then people are noticing because they're like i walked through the hallway and i was freezing right and also there like wasn't a giant tapestry on it that covered the entire wall (laughs) so you remember how we had these tapestries that have been handed down for a while because they're very expensive yep and (laughs) we're just gonna not mention uh, those he is returning all of these things and danielle's just like well thanks that's really nice of you and he's like yeah not so much he's like i am a businessman uh, not a philanthropist and uh, rod miller's like you we're selling it's you for all this i do think i'm getting the better end of the deal it's like oh uh, you're so mean and then oh i always it breaks my heart because danielle starts flipping out they start to the servants try to grab her back because yeah. they're the family and it's just like oh and then i guess the the royal family of spain just came came over just one just popped on, in popped in for the day they got, a, they got on a train right and came over from from spain and we're like, here we are. Gabriella is not super psyched about she getting married is to Henri. Sobbing. And it's like it's very she's... like it's very funny sobbing because yes. she's like sort of like gasping and like croaking and it's and she's like kind of like loses breath in the middle and it's like oh, you feel bad for her, but it's also like this is hysterical. Like she kind of will pause and then just start sobbing again. It's like ah! and ah! the king and queen of France are like, this is odd. 
This seems odd somehow. They start the ceremony, but Henri is just sort of like, wait a minute. And he, mm-hmm. she starts talking to, he starts laughing. And she's basically like pleading with him, like not to, yeah. like not to marry her. She kind of gestures towards this guy that she's actually in love with, who is this sort of like regular, regular, regular dude. He's, he's balding, like, you know. Yeah. You know, but she's just like that one. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? Go for it, babe. Like, <laughs> yeah. And she like runs. She jumps into his arms. Yeah. The king and queen of Spain are screaming at each other, and it's like it's like this great moment of like smugness for for uh, Francis and Marie. They're like, well, we thought we had problems, huh? <laughs> I also like that she's wearing like basically like a Sephora lipstick and is right. just <laughs> leaving big lipstick marks all over the sky, which is adorable, but also like. Uh, Okay. Right. Like, there's a scene later when they go to the castle where Radmilla is the full, like, oh, I put all my makeup on and mm-hmm. it looks so awful. Because it would have. Because yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm going to make my face very white uh-huh. and my cheeks a little red. And you're like, oh, no. Why did we? Right. So you ever time you see a painting of, like, Elizabeth I, you're like, oh, no. It's like, that's, that's a look. That's a real look. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's how I feel about any, any portrait of anyone with right. their uh, their hairline plucked. I'm like, oh, uh-uh. the choices uh-uh. were made. Ouch. I mean, and I also, also have ouch. those moments when I look at, like, things from the 80s, I will say. So, you know. True. But just the idea, the plucking of yeah, the no, hairline, I'm just like, mm. uh, I'm very glad Like, can't I just wear a wimple? Mm. Let's just go right. back to, like, let's just do that. Like, I choose can't, this. Can't we just have more hats? I'll take some hats. Yeah, like, why do I have to have the hairline as well? I'm also wearing this this headdress. Like, can right. we just keep the hair? Good. They're really good. No thanks. So Danielle's in sex slavery. Oh my god. So his house, Pierre Le Pew's house, is apparently in another plane of existence because it is rainy and gross and spooky. Uh-huh. Yes, it is completely different uh, weather. So Henri flees his wedding and mm-hmm. he finds Jacqueline and he's just... He, well, he finds... Does he find Maurice... It's uh, Maurice, Jacqueline, and Laurent are, like, all hanging yes. out together. And yeah. Jacqueline tells him that they sold Danielle to Pierre Le Pew, And he's like, don't say anything. All will be revealed in due time. And it's like, yeah, we get it. It's You're like- going to, like, go fetch Danielle and marry her. Like, it's, it, everyone's figured it out. <laughs> okay. I do like to imagine that Jacqueline and Laurent were just making out. And Maurice is like, could you not right here? Right. Like, guy, could you move along? Or, you know, like Maurice is a pretty cool guy. I could, like, he seems chill. I think he'd be fine with just, like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be, like, at the front part of, like, the front of the carriage. And, like, you guys are going to be, like, inside the I carriage. Think, and you're going to make out. I think out, he would just like, ask them to get in the carriage. Yeah. That's my he's only like, thing. Yeah, it's he's like, like, I don't want to see it. Yeah. But. Please, not right here. Yeah. Although I do love that when he comes back, he and his wife are completely just, like, we are just smooching it up right I now. I know. Like, it's so it's nice. so sweet. Yeah. I love, I love love. I love yeah. to see, I love when old people have love in movies because I feel like we do, you know, have this tendency in our society to be like, no, they don't. Right. So yeah, it's like, nice. yeah, they're married. They can yeah. love each other. It's really nice. Henri basically is like, I'm going to get all the boys and we're going to go. Like, this is a whole mission. This is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. We're doing this. Meanwhile, Danielle is in chains. Uh-huh, because she's, like, run away a couple of times already. Although we have no concept of how much time has gone by whatsoever. No, we do not. Well, although uh, abs- maybe the idea is that it has been, like, a month, and that's why there was sort of that's time true. for all these people to come from Spain. I guess. Like, for all the... First of all, for all the messages to get there, for, mm-hmm. uh, that that part is just where it all gets a little sloppy. It's like, yeah. they just... They weren't, like, staying in an Airbnb waiting to see if they were going to get married. <laughs> and, like, trips take time. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and I know that they can't, no one wants to see a movie or a TV show where trips take as long as they're supposed to. Like that, But they could just be the like several months later. Point. Right? And, but they, they can just be like three months later. Exactly. So like, like I'm all for, yeah, I'm all for that. I also like that... Rudmilla and Marguerite are at the wedding in black veils, as yes. if no one is going to notice that that's inappropriate. Marguerite is crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ladies, what are you like, doing? Subtle. Subtle. So subtle. Great. But Danielle just uh, pulls a knife, because he's a creep, and he's, of course, doing the close sniff of the hair. Yeah, he's doing the hair sniff. He also compared her to a horse and said, like, oh. and said, like the horse, you just need to be broken. They need to get a new a new metaphor, right? Because creepy men in movies always say that they're gonna break someone like a horse, and it's like, nah, right. you're, you're not. Is the thing, but it's also it's just like such a like his character is very stereotypical, right? He's very like mm-hmm. like it, he's very much like these are the like very standard tropes that, that we do to present a man as a like predat- as a like sexually mm-hmm. predatory villain. Yeah, he's he is off like he, he's off-putting physically he wears mm-hmm. all black yeah he makes a lot of references to how endowed he is his name is like, pierre I mean, Pew, like his name is pierre le Pew. you know he might as well be named like pierre le creep right le- yeah like it's you know he's not subtle like and because you know which is interesting because like as I, as I was saying before like i think angelica houston's character actually is a little subtle like she has these moments mm-hmm. here and there where you kind of like see the emotions and see like her complicated feelings about her life and he's not like that's not what they want to do the scene where she and danielle have this moment where she says i see a lot of your father in you and she changes it to be an insult she says you know you're very masculine because like we can't do an emotion right so it's like she starts like and she's like she's like i see so much of your father in you it's like i see him through your eyes and she's like really and then she's like oh shit i forgot that i'm not that i like can't feel love and then she's like yes your features are so masculine and she says you know well at one point she says, well, like, did you ever, did you love my father? And she has this moment, there's a beat where you can tell she's kind of like, well, yeah, I did. And it hurt when his last words were for you and that he died right away. But she just says, like, I barely knew him. Again, she has to be like, nope, closing this off. Right. Yeah. So Danielle basically holds him at both dagger and sword point. Uh Uh-huh. And, and she also slashes him across the face with the dagger, Heck which yeah. is very good. It's very satisfying. And she tells him to give him, give her the key or she will slit him from navel to nose. Right. And he's like, I could hang <laughs> you for this. And she says, mm, not if you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, that'll suck for you. Yeah. And so I do really like this from a feminist perspective that she mm-hmm. frees herself, right? And Henri yep. and his dudes show up, like, show up right as she has just successfully completely freed herself. And so, like, they do nothing, right? And so all of, like, oh, yeah. he doesn't, which I also like because that means he doesn't get to make that kind of, like, dramatic, like, gallant romantic gesture of rescuing her. He just mm-hmm. has to actually, like, fucking apologize like an adult. Yep. Because <laughs> she's, she's just sort of like, well, why are you here? And he says, well, we're here to rescue. And she's like, well, yeah, all right. Um, moving on. Yeah, she's like, rescue me. A servant. It's like, wow. <clears throat> That's nice. Great. Yeah. And so, yeah, he apologizes. Yeah. And it's a very sweet moment that I've always loved because he refers to her as Danielle and she says, say it again. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, no, the part where you said my name. Yeah. 
And I like that, you know, he asks, and he, like, he actually, like, asks, unlike, unlike Marguerite, who he was ostensibly going to marry, he actually asks her to marry him with words. Um, mm-hmm. It's, like, sort of, like, crying, and then kind of, like, it turns to laughing, and she, like, smiles at him, and he's like, that's a yes, right? Yay! And, like, they're very, yeah. it's very he's cute. He's just like, that's yes, like, right? I don't together. understand. He's like, I actually really do not understand women at all, right. especially he's like, on I, you, so please spell this out for right. me. Right, he's like, I would like words. I'm maybe not getting words. I feel like we're okay. Yes, we're okay. Okay. Maybe I'm finally going to listen yeah. this time. He's not quite dense or respectful enough to truly be a himbo, right. but he's on his way. <laughs> he's just like, he's, he's not disrespectful. Oblivious. He's just not. Yes. Right? Like, I feel like that's what it is, is that he's like a bit spoiled and like selfish and oblivious, which... And I think that is what kind of makes this movie work is that like he, you can present him as basically like he's like this because he's like a prince and nobody's ever like told him no, except like his father one time. Yeah. Like just on occasion. They, they head off. Uh, again, to have, like, I guess, like, the world's fastest royal marriage of all time. Which is also, okay, uh, a royal marriage, like, that must be in secret, essentially, right? Yeah. Or, like, somehow it's, like, everybody at court knows except for yeah. Camilla. No one, like, they just didn't um, get invited. No, I mean, right, and it's, like, they just haven't heard. Which also must mean, again, that, like, somebody must have either figured out what's happening with Toby Jones or, and, like, he's, like, in prison, or he's dead because he would have told them. Yeah. And that would have ruined the fact that Laurent comes uh. and invites them to an audience at court to which they are invited to arrive in style. We've got a nice knowing look <laughs> between Laurent and Jacqueline as she closes the door. Redmilla and Marguerite and Jacqueline come in. Redmilla is dressed to the nines. She has brought yes. it. She, she has brought it. She's about to become the mother-in-law of the king. And this is where she also like glides in. Yes. Like the way she enters, she just carries herself with such confidence and poise. And it's like, it's, it's excellent. Like Angelica Houston was like, like this is a fantastic role for her. They come in and the king and queen are there and Henry is there and the king just full on is like, so you lied to the queen of France. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm, what? Right. <laughs> I love that where she's just like, ah. I was not expecting me. this one. I also like love it. Like it's just such a good like Marguerite again has really like no redeeming qualities that she just immediately throws her mother under the bus. She's like, I had no idea, and I am ashamed to call her family. And they start bickering. He asks if they're always like this, and Jacqueline says they're worse. And, and yes. she's just like, wait a minute. Jacqueline, darling, I'd hate to think you had anything to do with this. And she says, of course not, mother. I'm only here for the food. So good. Such a good call. And Laurent does this. And is, Laurent is standing with Leonardo da Vinci. And Laurent does this great, like, that's my girl. I like, know, right? Face. He's like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. He's that clever. She did this callback to the scene that I was not in. And she did a good job. <laughs> like, look at that. That's what that. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Like. <laughs> the so queen the announces king is just like oh yeah the queen is just like yeah, yeah. That so... you and your horrible daughter will be stripped of your titles and sent to the americas unless someone here will speak for them which is like so staged clearly oh yeah yeah everyone it's 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 a very like it's it's again it's like these are these are great moments for a big gotcha scene but it's also mm-hmm. there's a very not similar but there's a scene like this on game of thrones where you know 
someone thinks something is for one thing, but it's for another, and everyone right. in the room knows except them. And it's just yeah. like, but how would everyone know? Except, right. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, like, they just, but, like, didn't so, get the memo. She looks around. There's a lot of people who are just avoiding her eyes. I do like when she glances at two women who I guess we're supposed to assume are, like, kind of her peers, like, other, you know, women of her probably set and they're just both like oh no sorry don't look at me right and then someone says that they will speak for her and everyone curtsies Mm -hmm. and marguerite is just like what what and marguerite gradually curtsies and i love that Henri like really rubs it in he's like smirking and then he's like marguerite i don't think you've met pause my wife And just, like, the look on her face is perfect. Like, I really wish she'd done more with her acting career, because I really just think this is an excellent performance. Oh, yeah, because Danielle comes in, and she's all, you know, gowned and crowned, and she's got the necklace on. And Ramilla kind of realizes it first, because she curtsies and does this sort of, like, your highness, because she recognizes the crown, I assume. Yeah, she's like, oh, fuck. And then that's, yeah, Henry is just like, ha-ha, surprise. I like Danielle's line too that she says that she says like well, you're going to leave and I'm never going to think of you again mm-hmm. and you are going to remember me every day for the rest of your life. To which she so you're says, "Cleaning my sheets." Right, because first she says, "And how long might that be?" <laughs> and then Danielle says that she only asks that the king and queen show them the same courtesy that she has bestowed on me. And I love Angelica Houston's facial expression because she's like, "Oh fuck, I know what that means." <laughs> yeah and they are in the laundry they work in the palace laundry which to be perfectly frank looks like a pretty sweet gig if you thought yeah. you were going to die honestly if you're not used to hard labor that's one thing but you're you have clothes and food you guys really got off light i know right. you're just a you know allergic to work but but like wow. working like that is a job that a lot of people would feel very lucky to get it reminds me, anything with, with working in this sort of era reminds me of one of my favorite things that ever happened on Twitter, which was someone started one of those, like, here's a question for everyone, you know, to retweet. Yeah. And it was something about, like, what job would you want in mm-hmm. the medieval era? I think they were expecting all the women to basically say, like, princess or queen or something. And I think right. every every single person, myself included, we were all like, uh, none. I would like to be a nun because right. I would have somewhere to live and food and I wouldn't die in childbirth and I might not right. read. Like, yeah. I mean, the other one like that I always said that I say like when I get things like that is like women actually in England like dominated the brewing trade until the 15th century. Yeah. Like I want to do that. Yeah, I want to I want to brew beer. Yeah, but it was just hilarious because I really think that they were just thinking everyone was just going to be like, I want to be a, like the, you know, a lady. And it was just yeah, like, oh, like, can nope. I just have the something where I'm the least likely to starve or Right. Or like see die. a man. Uh-oh. Yeah. Can I just have the one where I have to, like, I just can avoid being, like, married to someone I don't want to marry. Yeah. I would only, I only want to work if I can get the cool feminized version of a last name, like Baxter right. or something. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, just... Like, no, nah, I'm good. Can I just do embroidery at the, right. the nunnery? <laughs> I like, like I don't want to be an books. abbess. I don't need right. that kind of responsibility. <laughs> right. Or like, you know, a scribe. There's some book production happening at, uh, yep. at women's yep. monasteries. That'd be fun. I, I would be a scribe. I have decent handwriting. That's like, or, you know, if I could work somewhere where I could just, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm reasonable at embroidery. I could just, you know, I'm sure there's a guild that I could, you know, yeah. be part of somewhere like... No, I'm good. Right. (laughs) 
that is, of course, not how this movie ends. They uh, no, live happily ever after, and Da Vinci did a nice painting of her. And we learned that this painting uh, from we learned from her great great granddaughter that the painting hung in the university up until the revolution. Which I like that they just kind of like skip right. over that real quick. They're it's like, like oh, yes, at which, at which point their remains were probably taken out and shoved into a mass grave. <laughs> like I'm fine because I fled. Right. I, or my, right, like my, she's, yeah, know, she's my 19, mother fled. Yes, yeah, she must be like, <laughs> right, it's like, so yeah, so we're like a little like side branch of the noble family, which are the, of the royal family, which is why we are not dead. Yeah. <laughs> I get to have this sort of this title because I'm technically, you know, a princess, but I let's not really discuss it. This is a little later. Like, we're just going to move on from this. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that at least, you know, I mean, Jean Moreau, actually French. So that right. part, it's actually nice. They're like, hey, yeah. what if we get a French person? Right, it's like the one, from the one French person. The brothers Grimm just like leave and are like, I, that was weird. Right. They're like, <laughs> like, okay. I I mean, I'm not going to rewrite the story, but like that was, that was fun. And she said they did live happily ever after, but the point is that they lived. Yes. Or did uh, they? Um... <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. The next segment that I typically do is where I is the Vare at False, where I talk about what they got right and wrong. The dates and the historical figures are fuzzy. There is a King Francois I of France who did, in fact, bring Leonardo da Vinci to France, where he resided from 1516 to 1519. And it is the case that he did bring his paintings. Like, that's why they're all in the Louvre. The problem is that. Francois' actual son, Henri, was born in 1519, which is the year that Leonardo da Vinci died. Oops. Oops. I also will note his mother is named Claude, not Marie, and my assumption is that basically they were like, no one will know that Claude used to also be a woman's name. Yeah. Well, I think it's also with any of these figures, they were probably just like, what was literally every French king named? Right. And the answers were Francis, Henri, or Louis. (laughs) We aren't right. turning to Louis yet. Yeah, but this actually like it works in that like oh yeah like the t- like timing wise it works for like it's Francois the first and the future mm-hmm. Henri the second. But yes, but so then you have the realities of you know first of all his mother, but more importantly his wife, who I will talk about more in a moment, that he really did enter into an arranged marriage with Catherine de Medici. So also not a talk Spanish about princess. talk about your marriages though. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk more in a moment about Catherine de' Medici. Medici. But I wanted to make a couple other notes about things that are uh, maybe uh, not quite right. (laughs) So Thomas More's Utopia, again, we're kind of fuzzy on our dates here because Utopia was published in 1516, which is the year da Vinci arrived, which means, which is 10 years after she got the book. Mm -hmm. She got a real early edition, I guess. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Her dad backed him on Kickstarter. Right. He got an early copy. And while we do have an accurate quote from Utopia, we really gloss over the fact that, so the book definitely says enslavement of foreigners is cool and all families should have a couple of slaves. Yeah. That there was heavy punishment for premarital sex and adultery and that women are supposed to be subject to her husbands because they're husbands because Thomas More is an asshole. Yeah, no, he was terrible. And, and everyone terrible makes a big deal family, about how yes. his his family was like, they're all, they're all educated. It's like, yeah, and subjugated. And yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like, that's like, basically that's... what he says it should be in Utopia is that like, I mean, girls can read as long as they're still subject to their husbands. I'm like, oh, like, great, great work, Thomas. Uh-huh. I do think it's interesting, as we talked a little bit about class, I think it is interesting that there's this, like, real, like, kind of anxiety about downward social mobility that's coming out, and that was something Mm -hmm. that was a real source of anxiety. 
That being said, my sense is actually that in France specifically, the debt slavery thing was not actually a thing that was considered to be legitimate, that this is something that's actually Mm -hmm. happening in England at this time. But my understanding from what I was able to figure out, and again, this is not quite my period or my region, but that in particular, like France actually has pretty strict laws in the 16th century against like the selling of slaves on French soil, even if they're then destined to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So especially when you're talking about like enslaved, like white French people. Yeah. That Mm. seems like it would be not something that would actually be happening in France. Although, as I said, it would be Mm -hmm. happening in, uh, in other places. We've got some good historical jokes, but again, they're a little <laughs> off in terms of the years. So I love the line, divorce is only something they do in England. I crack up every time. However, so again, if we take the year as being like 1516 is when Da Vinci arrived, England still does not do divorce and would not until the 1530s being at least like the kind of <laughs> earliest date where you can say that since that is when Henry VIII would basically say, fuck it, and break from the Roman Catholic Church to divorce Catherine of Aragon and marry Anne Boleyn. But I like the bit. Similarly yeah, that, yeah. yeah, Da Vinci is like, oh, you know, I'm just a second choice. Michelangelo's trapped under a ceiling in Rome. He's no longer trapped under a ceiling in Rome. He stopped being trapped under the Sistine Chapel ceiling <laughs> in 1512 when he finished it. Maybe maybe it was just it was just shade. He was like, he should still be trapped under that. I don't know about it. Yeah, it could just be shade. And it's like a snarky comment in general. And like clearly, you know, he wasn't actually the second choice. And I took that as being like a joke as opposed to a literal comment. Mm-hmm. I also looked up the origins of rock, paper, scissors, because there's a bunch of like people <laughs> playing rock, paper, scissors. And I was like, yeah, cool is rock, paper, scissors. And rock, paper, scissors, surprisingly, apparently it does go back perhaps as far as like the third century CE. But in China, and it was oh, not yeah, known so. in Europe until I think as far as I could tell, like the 20th century. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, yeah, and that I think is, you know, as soon as you read that anything originated in China, you're like, okay, so we, we did not get that for a while. Like, they were right. very good about being like, right. nope. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's a couple Thank things you, here no. and there, like gunpowder yep. via mm-hmm. the Islamic world is something yep. that like is is accessible by the, oh, the 14th century. I always look it up and I always forget the exact date, but rock, paper, scissors, uh, not, not so much. But there are a couple of things that I think are done well. While chocolate would have been a drink rather than a brick, I do like that they comment on the fact that chocolate is something that would have been unfamiliar. And while we're probably a Uh, little early for it to be in France, it is something that would have been probably like the fashion in Spain at around this time and that it does like basically kind of move out to else to other places from Spain. And I guess we can also sort of then tie that into if they've been talking about these treaties, maybe Spain is just sending all kinds of goodies to kind of you right. know, sweeten the deal. Cause he does say this, the monks keep sending it. So let's yeah. just assume that they're, you know, like, Hey, we got this princess. And also, yeah, like in this alternate universe where they're really pushing this France-Spain alliance, I will buy the Spanish like sending them chocolate to. Uh, oh, I the love deal. drinking chocolate though. Yeah, but yeah, it's but so yeah, good. but should I have wish, been drinking yeah. chocolate. Oh, so good. And I like that they have a pig hunting truffles that Danielle yes. is with. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, if that's something like that she is doing at their manor, that's probably like why they haven't starved yet. Yep. But that is something that is certainly documented in writing and in the visual arts from at least the 15th century onward and is probably an older practice. I also like that the in terms of the material culture, that there's this real emphasis on the actual 
actual social and economic, like the uh, like economic value of textiles and of other mm-hmm. like household mm-hmm. goods, because at this point that would have been a lot of the form that people's wealth actually took would have been basically very kind of like durable, high quality clothing, linens, like bed linens, things like tapestries mm-hmm. and candlesticks. That would have been a lot of where people's wealth is actually, uh, is like is actually mm-hmm. kind of residing. And so I like that the film kind of emphasizes that. As mentioned before, we have our friend Catherine de Medici, who is the real person who married this Prince Henri of France. I wanted to talk a bit more about her in the section I call the Historia ad Veritas, where I discuss a real historical person, event, or phenomenon. First of all, Henri married at age 14. He's not just like running around like flirting with people. Well, he actually is running around <laughs> flirting with people, but he's not well, running yeah. around find, deciding whether to marry people at the age of 25 because he married Catherine de Medici when they were both only, fi- only 14 years old in 1533. Ugh. Catherine belongs to the Medici family of Florence, which is ruling the city on and off. At this particular moment, it's off. And the reason Catherine got to make a pretty good marriage is first of all that at the time that the marriage happens, she's not necessarily like expecting to be queen because Henri has an older brother whose name I don't mm-hmm. remember who dies, but also that her uncle is the Pope, Clement Seventh, so that helps make her this pretty solid marriage. The problem then being that he dies and that then the next Pope is not related to her and doesn't give a shit and then basically like reneges on the contract and is like, yeah, no, I'm not fucking paying the rest of this dowry. Oh. Uh. These popes. These popes. So Francois is like not happy about this situation. And Henri also just like does not have any interest in this woman whatsoever. Whether it's a personal thing, whether it is because Catherine is generally not described as being conventionally attractive, whatever it is, he is sleeping around a lot and has a lot of mistresses. The most long-standing one is uh, actually, so they get together, I believe, when he's 19 and she is 38. And that is Diane de Poitiers, who he ends up essentially, like, treating as, like, a pseudo-queen mm-hmm. for a while, for basically much of his reign. And she's, like, she, like, doesn't even consider Catherine, like, a threat, which I feel like is the most insulting thing. That she's just like, yes. yeah, no, like, you should spend time with her. Like, you know, your your heirs are, like, that's where your heirs are going to come from. Like, obviously, you know, you have sex with her occasionally and have some kids, like, that's fine. I don't care. Like, don't uh, worry about it. Especially once Henri's brother dies and he's like, actually is like, oh, I have to produce an heir. Their marriage doesn't seem to have like gotten happier, but I guess they're having what is very possible, like possibly like dour, unpleasant sex a lot Aww. because they have uh, 10 children and I think eight of them survive to at least past infancy. You just like, just all of a sudden your husband is just like, I guess I'll have sex with you now. Right. Like, I don't like <sighs> you, but I will fuck you so that you can like, give birth every five minutes like oh thanks thanks i'm real glad i left italy for this right and also you know this is i get i think we kind of hinted this before but dying in childbirth is a real thing i will just note and this poor woman gives birth i think she gives birth nine times because i think the last one is a pair of twins yeah it was yeah oof Which even that at the time, I'm just like, no, thank you. Yeah. She becomes queen consort in 1547, but that doesn't like really involve a lot of real power. But then Henri dies in a jousting accident, which I always love when that happens. I'm like, how fucking oh stupid God. are you? That like, like how, how do you just like not do that? And like a lance like splinters and goes into his eye. 
that is, and I get that, you know, it's, it's the culture thing and it's, you know, they have to do right. these things, they have to prove it, but it's the same as, you know, the theory that Henry VIII got, you know, a brain injury and there's jousting mm-hmm. accident and that's why he becomes, it's such a, seems like such a sea change in his later life. Right. It's like, who the hell is letting the king just joust for right. kicks? Right, like, this is clearly a terrible idea and yeah, Henry oh II is a very good example of that because yeah, he's fucking dead. Oh. And Catherine will gradually gain some influence now that she is a mother of kings. By which, yes, I do mean kings, plural. Um, Because, uh, yeah, the next generation is, I guess, not so fertile. Three of her sons become kings. So that's Francois II, Charles IX, and Henri III. She has some amount of power and influence. It's interesting with Francois in particular that there's this kind of weird battle that's happening for power in uh, in part with like some other families, but also with her husband's wife, who is Mary, Queen of Scots, or who will become Mary, Queen of Scots, you know, Mm -hmm. Her, in the sense that she is somebody who has some amount of power, particularly during the reign of her son Charles. Uh, she's the one who gets blamed for the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, where they decided to just uh, murder a bunch of Protestants, more or less for fun. Yep, including her son-in-law. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Everyone see the movie Queen Margot, it's great. Yes, yeah. Uh. Well, her and her son-in-law made it, but they tried to murder him. That's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. But because he still, then becomes king. Like, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> Queen Margot is also very fun. I like that movie. That is also why it is all the more hysterical that this was the basis of a television show on the CW because yes. Catherine Medici is a character on on Rain, oh. uh, played by Megan Follows, Anne Green Gables herself. Interesting. That hmm. and her best friend and partner in crime for most of the first and second seasons is a very young, sexy Nostradamus. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, there's also <laughs> this weird novel that I don't remember offhand what it's called, but that she's like buddies with Nostradamus, and through Nostradamus, Catherine de' Medici gets the head of Menander the Magi, which is like a monkey's paw wish thing, essentially. And she wishes that all of her sons will be king. And then it's like, aha, oh. the joke's on you. They're all going to die, and they're all going to be the king of the same country. <laughs> it's It becomes kind of funny on Rain because I think they sort of keep producing more of their, I mean, their actual children that exist. but there's very little reference to any of them initially because Mm -hmm. it's all about the romance between between francis and mary and they just occasionally will be like also my brothers and sisters Mm. yeah don't worry about it and then once francis dies they're just suddenly like oh right uh here's this one right and then this one like here's charles (laughs) oh there's there's another henry somewhere we just we keep him over there right it's like what Every so often, Catherine's like, all my kids that I have. Yeah, there's like a big old collection of kids. Because yeah, there's 10. One of them, actually, one of her kids then ends up, then does end up marrying the King of Spain. Her daughter, Elizabeth, marries uh, King Philip II. Oh, so we, we do we do finally get the, the, according to this movie, long-awaited French-Spanish marriage (laughs) alliance. I do like whenever I just go on like a Wikipedia wormhole and, you know, people have all these children. I do enjoy when you get to the ones that just are married to some random like mm-hmm. Duke or something where you can tell they were just like, I don't know. How many children do we have? It's like, fuck. There's so many of these. Right. Just marry that one off to him, I guess. Is that it's one fine. not married yet? Fuck. Can we, I don't know. Like Elizabeth Woodville. I mean, they had mm-hmm. so many children. I think eventually right. they were just like, I don't know. That one's a nun too. Don't like, worry just, about it. Just, oh my god. (laughs) Why do we have so many kids? Catherine also, I will note, gets a reputation for being a poisoner, which I feel like is mostly because she's a woman and she's Italian. 
Yeah, I think that was basically, they were just like, seems kind of suspicious if you ask me. She's going, what? Yeah. (laughs) I beg your pardon? She lived until 1589, which means that she just missed by eight months seeing the last of her sons, Henri III, being assassinated and replaced on the throne by Henri IV, who is at the time her son-in-law, but who will eventually not be her son-in-law. In a decade, they end up annulling the marriage. They don't have kids. And Henri then marries Marie de Medici, who is Catherine's, like, fourth cousin or something. Well, it's like how, you know, Henry VIII couldn't get enough of those Howards. Right, yeah. He's like, more Howards for me. And I was like, no, what are you doing? I mean, also, like, what the fuck are you doing, like... Thomas Duke of Norfolk, who is like, I have an idea. Like, the king only murdered one of my nieces. Maybe he should marry another one? Eh? Meanwhile, Eh? that one's going, hi, I'm a child, and I'm going to make poor child decisions. Yeah, because I'm fucking, like, 15. Oh, my God. God. The worst. The real wife of Henri is, like, not Cinderella. But she is also interesting. Yeah, very much so. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think it's more interesting than if she was Cinderella, honestly. Yeah. I'd love to have a reputation as a poisoner. Right? Uh, just because I feel like people would leave me alone. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying I'd poison I don't know. People. You I'm could come to my house. Mm-hmm. You could not come to my house because I might poison you. Yeah. Because like, I'm a woman maybe, and I'm Italian. Maybe you should be nice to me. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I yeah, think, right. And I think especially at that time... I would definitely want to cultivate some kind of reputation like that. Just enough where no one's going to really accuse you of anything, queen or not, but just enough where everyone's going to be a little afraid of you. Yeah. Because that's what you've got. Especially if, like, you're pretty important. You just want to be, like, quietly, like, I don't know, maybe she's a poisoner. I don't know. I just, maybe, I mean, you just gotta have a slow, just keep it around sort of a, like, you know, line and winner. I'm just, like, yeah. I'm Eleanor of Aquitaine and I'm, I'm mad. I'm just really mean and you don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. We all have knives. We all have knives. I will say, Eleanor often gets tired of having murdered Rosamund, which would have been very hard because she died when she was in prison. Yeah. I guess she called somebody. It's like, you know, a mob hit. <laughs> She's like, hey. So many of those things, like when, you know, you hear stuff for so long and then you look at dates and you're like, what's the... Yeah. Yeah. Like, which is like very much this thinks... movie, right? Is that like, there's a lot yeah. of this movie. A lot of this movie is very much one of these like... So everything in the 16th century happened at the same time, right? Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of just, we're going to put in history that people know about. Like, everyone right. knows about Henry VIII and his divorce. It's very right. famous. Like, it's a piece of history people know. And it's a good joke. And we'll just, like, yeah, we'll put this joke in there because that way it'll it'll be funny. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, it's just one of the things that comes with any time that there is sort of generally almost like popular history that everyone knows. Like the time that my friend and I were buying tickets to see Marie Antoinette and the guy taking the ticket said, you know, they cut her head off, right? And we're like, well, yes, we 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 do know know that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But with movies like this, it always, I, I always wonder if it really, if it behooves them at all to have made it even vaguely real people. Like, why they right. couldn't have just had, like, King Claude and Prince Philippe or something and just move it along. You could still make right. the jokes. You could still have, you, you know, can, Leonardo I like da, Vinci da Vinci and everything. Yeah. But just, yeah, once you start actually looking things up and going, like, well, oh, mm-hmm. Prince Henri wasn't born yet and this thing and that thing. But that's any historical. Right. And I feel like that's really common, including even things that are much more even fantastical than this, that they are like, that they go out of their way to be like, this takes place in exactly the year 984. And then it's Mm. like, and the King of England is jerk who like does magic. And then it's like, 
no, the King of England's like a real person and we know who was King of England in, 19, in like 984. The issue also comes like when you start immediately having any kind of royalty connection, right. it starts to start to fall apart because, uh, yeah, like because we know who who was in charge. And I think that it's it's more interesting to just kind of have it be a nebulous, either just a sort of, oh, nameless because the same thing happens in A Knight's Tale when it's just suddenly like, right. what's up, Prince Edward right here. And you're like, what are you, what? No, don't give me a specific person. And he's at least a minor enough character and yes. does little enough that I feel like it's not, that I feel like it like sort of works there because like it just doesn't shows matter up in that leather. much. Yeah. Or yeah, or you just have it be kind of a, a known thing. It's It's why like I think, we, you know, we talked about this movie earlier, but the fact that Robin and Prince of Thieves does not have John in it. They were just like, right. we're just going to leave that out. Richard shows up at the end because it's a funny cameo. Right. And it's interesting uh, because then they reintroduce John in Men in Tights, which is largely yes. parodying. I'm just parodying a couple of Robin Hoods, but I would say the most direct reference is definitely Prince of Thieves. Yeah. But, but obviously Disney's Robin Hood. Yeah. Which I think, which is where I definitely learned about John. Prince John, and also features Sir Hiss, uh, the best snake in pop popular culture. Yes. He wears a tiny cape, and I don't know how he gets it on, it's but so I cute. love it. My one sadness about that movie is that, like, you have all these bits for, like, John, about, like, John's, like, mommy issues, but we never actually get to see Eleanor of Aquitaine. Yeah, right? right? She's like, I am here causing every mommy issue you could imagine. I would have loved to have Lioness Eleanor of Aquitaine in that movie. I, I will say that... I do not blame her a bit for basically being like, I hate all of you. Yeah. This sucks. You yeah. all suck. You're a terrible family. <laughs> I hate this. Right. I really honestly. I really like In Lion in Winter, which is a great movie where she's just like, yeah, I don't like my children. It's like, yeah, no God, fair. look at Dick. Like, look at them. I, I, those are like the best moments is her and they're just both like, look at this family. Like, right. no wonder we are having all of this going on. Like, I'm just going to go back to, right. to prison now because yikes. <laughs> I think sometimes it does help to just sort of have it be a vague sort of like, I don't know, Cad File-esque. Sometimes yeah. it's Steven, sometimes it's Maud. We're not sure. Right. We're all it's just like, trying yeah, to keep up. We don't really up. need to worry about it. Like, you barely <laughs> see them. Yeah. We are just trying to keep up. Yeah. Day to day. So that actually is kind of a good lead in talking about these like weird historical choices that I have a segment where we uh, do the, the Fabula Nostra, where we talk about a film perhaps inspired by this one that we would like to make maybe in addition to rather than instead of because I actually really like this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love more. I I do like this sort of generalized kind of Ren Faire Renaissance era. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wish that there were a few more things that were set in there. It's one of the yeah. same reasons that I think my, my roommate and I, it was like this and Dangerous Beauty were kind right. of in the loop because we were just like, we are very into this whole idea. It's not quite, you know, medieval can seem a little more dour. Like we're all a little... Like women, women are doing less. Which is funny because in the real Middle Ages, women actually arguably were doing better in the Middle Ages than yeah, they were in the Renaissance. But, you know. Very, very true. That was something I realized in college when I was writing papers. It was suddenly like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yikes. This yeah. has all been wrong. Yeah, no. The, uh, Renaissance, the Italian Renaissance is like not great for ladies. It was not. No. You get tricked. You get tricked yeah. by that kind of stuff. Like you read like the Decameron and you're like, everyone's just having a great time. And then you're like, oh, wait. Oh, no. 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 No, they weren't actually. 
Not so much. Well, it's also because the Decameron is really 14th century and people are yeah. like, it's good though. So it must be the Renaissance. And it's like, actually, it's kind of not. It's not. <laughs> and you like, just read it in college and you have to have like very serious literary conversations right. about just endless fuck jokes. Like, like we get it. <laughs> I'm just also basically the Canterbury all... Tales are like also a lot of sex yes. jokes. Well, that was really, that was really what Kate, like, I, I, that was, like, sort of, like, the paper was that I, I wrote a paper on the, the Wife of Bass Tale. And yeah. ended up reading a lot about women actually, like, working. Yeah. And was like, oh, wait, holy shit. Like, yeah. ah, like, what are, amazing. So Why cool. don't we learn this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I would love to have more, if, I wish that we would do more fairy tale adaptations that are not just live action versions of Disney movies or gritty, grim, dark, or like cutesy, like tongue in cheek, once upon a time type deals. Right. I feel like, like a sleeping beauty set in this era would be so good. Mm. It would be like, just so like sumptuous. And I think that you could just do so much and set it in this kind of vaguely, it's not magic, but, you know, we're just, it's, we're all kind of vaguely doing science and that's kind of magic because of mm-hmm. the time period. Alchemy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's fun. It's fine. Mm. And I like that it is actually like very, like very feminist, especially yeah. for a movie in 1998 that is a fairy tale adaptation. I mean, I think that is one of the things I loved about it is that it's like, mm-hmm. I was still of an age where like, I really kind of liked that sort of thing. But also yes. I was like, oh, but like this actually like doesn't hate women. Yeah, and it was, I think, also for me, it was very much an ongoing need to, I wanted female protagonists. Mm -hmm. It's why when I discovered the the Song of the Lioness, I was like, holy shit, this is what I needed. Yeah. Because growing up, loved loved Star Wars, loved fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, and it was always inevitably like we had like we had Princess Leia, and then that was it. Yeah, you know, it was just for years. It was always like I love the movie Willow, but the only female character in that is bad and only turns mm-hmm. good because of a dude. Yeah, anything like even just reading a lot of fantasy, it was always like, well, there's this woman, but she's the love interest, yeah. or this is that and then discovering those books it was like wait a girl is the main character of these books yes and like she makes problematic choices with her sex life but she like has an independent sex <laughs> and life and her like weird obsession with older men which is clearly tomorrow pierce's obsession with older men well i mean i will say this for that and i know you already had this discussion but like my big thing has always been that at least there is no part in the Song of the Lioness Quartet that is like the part in the third Wild Magic book where Numar yeah. is basically just like, what if I'm a bad boy? And you're like, oh, nope. Numar. Nope. Uh, <laughs> you are like 15 uh, years older than her. Absolutely not. And this is not 15 years older where she's 22 and you're 37. Right. <laughs> and he's also in like more of a like, like he is like her like teacher and that like mm-hmm. aches me out in a way that is like different from the relationships in uh, Song of the Lioness. Yeah. Anyway. And exactly. Uh, also because there is also just the one that has always stuck with me is that there is the moment where Dane is harassing him about kind of being kind of a man whore and yeah. she says something and he's basically like, well, what do you know about it? I was doing that when you were six. And it's like, like mm-hmm. eh, that doesn't make me feel better. I need you to stop what you're thinking about right now, Numera. I need you to go somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Dane, I need you to go to another dimension and just stay there. Yeah. Ugh. Just stay there. 
And it is, again, one of those things that when I read that book when I was 16, I was like, hey. Mm -hmm. And then I read it again when I was 20. I went, oh. No, 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 no. But it's, yeah, but that was, like, Ever After definitely, like, slotted into that kind of, you know, it's a historical fantasy type deal. And the main character is a woman. Yeah. And she does cool stuff. And she gets, like, a hot floppy haired dude. Yeah. Which, you know, hey. Great. Inspired by the fact that there's, like, five million Cinderella sequels. I totally would want the sequel to this where we just continue with a weird alternate universe. And it's like Danielle trying to like oddly pressure her own children into an, into arranged marriages. And then also trying to like deal with a bunch of Catholic Protestant conflicts. She's like, so Princess Gabriella and her husband actually somehow became the king and queen of Spain. Right. And they have some kids. Right. So like, so we're going to try this again. And it's like, yes, no, yeah, exactly. Maybe you can then have, like, the other, like, alternate universe, like, sit, like I don't know, some kind of fairy tale that's, like, the next generation. Like, it's, it's like Beauty and the Beast or something. And it's, like, her <laughs> daughter, Elizabeth, who, like, in real life has to marry Philip II of Spain, who is fucking the worst. Like, maybe we can do, like, the fairy tale version where, like, she gets to marry somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, he doesn't turn out to be that bad because it's actually, a fairy tale. So that would actually, I feel like, make the beauty and the beast, like, the beast is kind of like, Ugh. I feel like that would actually make it work as if the choices are between the beast and Philip II of Spain. Yeah, at a certain point, you start looking at just historical car- figures and you're like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, no. I'm okay. No. So, yeah, that's, that, like, that's In retrospect, that's I'd like to say do. no. Yeah. So, Basically, yeah. any Habsburg, I'm like, oh, no, thank you. No. I don't need any of that oh, no. near me. Yeah. I don't need to not have children for decades and have uh-huh. it be blamed on me for some reason. Okay, also, <laughs> by the way, speaking of the Habsburgs, so the actual two princesses of Spain both married their first cousins. Oh, there <laughs> Like, there were two, I believe their names are, like, Maria and Juana. And yeah, like, one married her first cousin, who was the Holy Roman Emperor, the other married her first cousin, who was the King of Portugal. Remember, I forget if it was late 2019 or early 2020 when there were just suddenly like Habsburgs on Twitter who were like, yes. here's my thought as a Habsburg. And I'm like, no one is <laughs> asking for this, friends. <laughs> Gentlemen, no thank you. There's also a guy, by the way, who is like one of these dudes who's like, I am the heir to the throne of France. And it's like, that's nice. And it's also like you look him up and you like you Google him and you look up more detail. And it's also like, and he is also the grandson of Francisco Franco. And it's like, I'm sorry, yes. fucking what? Like, oh, I think that that negates uh That just any, negates everything. Anything. Yeah, no, I don't want you on any well, it's like It's like any time that what's-her-face granddaughter Mussolini there is like, I have mm-hmm. thoughts. And it's like, whoa, No, no thank you. I don't want to hear them. I'm good. I'm That's good. charming for you. I'm going to need you to just go over there with that. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember that there was like a week where it was just like, battling Habsburg heirs on Twitter. And I was like, this is precisely the world in which I want to live. Like, this is yes. amazing. Yes. No one asked for these opinions. Yeah. Like, no one asked for your thoughts on COVID-19. Right. Here it is. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, if, if anyone in your family when autopsied didn't have organs, <laughs> I think you don't get to talk about health. Yeah. Although, hmm, that does mean the Habsburgs are potentially, like, very susceptible to COVID-19. So if they're arguing in favor of, like, more precautions, you know, maybe that's a good thing. That is still, to this day, I remember reading some piece on that. It was just like, oh, ew, what? <laughs> they're like, yeah, he his heart yeah. was this big. And uh-huh. it's just like, oh, oh, oh. Nope. Nope, nope. Thank you, but no thank you. Someone had to marry him. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, prayers. 
like <laughs> we're just gonna have a little prayer circle for you uh ma'am i know you've been dead for many many years Oof. many centuries but yeah. we're just i'm still putting it out there for you like yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> i'd like to go back in time and say i'm very sorry don't marry a Habsburg. At this point, you should probably rate this movie on a scale of one to five based on whatever criteria you see fit. I would say that it is, for me, probably a five because it's so rewatchable. Yeah. It's such a comfort movie. Like, this is definitely, like, a sick day, just, I want to put something on movie. I own it, but yet, I, you know, when I saw that it was on Disney+, Plus, I was very excited, because I was like, that's even more convenient than putting a DVD into a DVD player, because, uh-huh. you know, that's where we've come to as a society. Yeah, I actually bought it on Amazon, like, a couple of years ago, and every, and, like, every time I'm like, yes, I have a digital copy of this that I own. Yeah, and it's just, it's just one of those movies that, if it's on, I'm just like, I know every beat of this, and yeah. here we go, it's so good yeah and it's it's a movie that obviously like who knows what the kids will be watching like my daughter is four Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a movie that i would feel completely comfortable showing her yeah sometimes you rewatch movies from your youth and you go oh i forgot about that or i watched this i remember being like six years old and watching ghostbusters and i don't think i would let her watch it which is six you know just for some of the content but this is this one where i probably going to be that mom going isn't it great this yeah it's great and it's also like this, this is, is especially for a movie from the 90s it also i feel like is uh, like it really actually kind of holds up as a movie that like centers on women and has like a bunch mm-hmm. of female characters who are like depicted mm-hmm. in different ways and have distinct personalities which is so rare especially for movies yeah. set in the middle ages where like i came up with a test for this podcast it's the only bar lower than the bechdel test which is that there has to be one named female character character who doesn't die and i've watched multiple movies that don't pass oh yeah yeah and that's a very good point is that i mean other than her father which we know is gonna happen because it's a cinderella story mm-hmm. oh yeah there's not a lot of death yeah like there's really not any so yeah i would i'd probably give this a 4.5 just because i feel obligated to take off like a half point for historical messiness but fair, uh, fair. but it's like you know i love this movie i mean i would probably also just at this point watching it the other night as I did, I had forgotten, I had forgotten the, you know, abundant usages of the G word, but it's a movie from 1998 and time-wise, I think it's not entirely inaccurate. It's not as if they were making a movie in, set in 2021. Right. Uh, But it was, I had forgotten that. So there was just a moment where I was just like, wait, what? Oh, goodness. Yeah. And and that's pretty common, I would say, for, like, movies that are made in the 90s, early 2000s. Like, I've yeah. seen a number of them that continue to use that term. So, like, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, for example. Oh, yeah. Like, the Disney one. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it's still, to this day, the fact that that's a Disney movie. I, yeah. Like, yeah. this is astonishing. <laughs> it really is. Megan, are there places where people could find you on the internet? Yes, so I am the co-host of Let's Get Weirding, a Dune podcast mm-hmm. with my friend Bo North, where we go over, we are reading Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. Mm-hmm. We also, I am told, are too, too woke, uh, but <laughs> hey, you know what? Hmm. That's the way it is. I write for uh, thespool.net. Mm-hmm. I do reviews and recaps of television and movies. And you can find me on Twitter at MP Sunday, where I am just full of nonsense. And <laughs> my website is megansunday.com, where I have a couple of things written that are up there. They're, you know, okay, I'm starting out. It's new. <laughs> awesome. 
Cool. Well, yes, everybody should check all of those things out. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcatcher app and rate and review Media Evil on Apple Podcasts. I'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes. Please also follow the podcast on Twitter at Media Evil Pod and join our Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah F. Decker. If you have any questions or suggestions, I would love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. Thank you again, Megan, for coming on. Thank you. This is so much fun. Yeah. And thanks to everybody for listening to Media Evil. Bye. Bye. You, sir, are supposed to be charming. And we, princess, are supposed to live happily ever after. Says who? Do you know? I don't know.